Ready. Welcome, everyone, to this completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. Alongside Ian Ferguson. Wow! I'm Pat Contry. On the show today, we'll be talking. I avoided your ears. You did. Thank you, Ian. My ears, thank you. We're talking about uh, the WADA co founder and game seller responding to the critiques of him doing such behavior and and weird things. Uh, Retro gaming collusion. Is it a thing? We got a Patreon poll. We got some voicemails. Uh, first, I want to uh, just bring light to the fact that Hurricane Ida has, has done a lot of damage and displaced a lot of people uh, in Louisiana. I guess some of Texas as well. I personally know someone whose uh, house was destroyed uh, by this. And it was a really damaging hurricane. Also moving up all throughout the Mid-Atlantic, up into Pennsylvania, and into New York and New Jersey. There was a, there was a tornado. That wiped out houses in New Jersey, which I never heard of in my lifetime, something like that happening. It looked like something out of, like, the Midwest in Tornado Alley. Uh, so, uh, yeah, these people's lives obviously been uprooted, and it's going to take a while for stuff to come back to normal and insurance, what have you, rebuilding. Uh, you can go to americares.org if you want to donate to help out. Uh, and Math Cares right now is matching all donations up to $500,000. Uh, so there you go. You basically double your money on your donation to AmeriCares. And they've done great work before. We've raised money for AmeriCares before. They're a great or- Sure have. They're, they're a great organization. Yeah. So if you can help, please do. Uh, what did you do this weekend, Ian? Oh, I actually had a good weekend. Uh, I know people love this question. They hate this question because I never have any answers. Uh, I got criticized for saying, Pat, you really care about, about what Ian did. And it's like, that's not the point. It's what you want to hear. If I care about it or not, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant to the podcast. You probably don't. I probably don't. Um, I uh, <laughs> uh, cleaned and bagged uh, close to 50 pounds of hatch green chilies. 50 pounds of chilies. Yeah. it's probably how it started. Uh, once you roast them and get all, a lot of the moisture out and then, you know, bag them down, I probably ended up with like 15 pounds of chilies. Wow. Personally. Did you, did you uh, try? My friend ended up with another 15 pounds. Yeah, they're good. They're good. They're, are they great? They're great. They're so very succulent. Delicious, very deep, rich, roasty flavor. Yeah. Uh, the hot ones are pretty spicy. Um, went over to my buddy's house <laughs> afterwards and we did green chili cheeseburgers. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Did green chili cheeseburgers. Those are so good. That sounds good. Then yesterday I went to another cookout, uh, spun a little house music, uh, had, oh, okay. had barbecue chicken, uh, burgers and dogs, uh, flatbread with, uh, gorgonzola and figs. Um, someone, okay. that sounds uh, interesting. Andre made, uh, homemade pop tarts. Uh, Warren made, uh, a homemade blueberry lemonade that we all threw vodka in. That sounds delicious. It was, uh, it was a good weekend. Yeah. Very good. And now I'm, now I'm back, back to work. Did, did you bring your buddy Pat any hatch chilies? Uh, cause you wouldn't know what to do with them. Someone asked me if I was going to bring you chilies and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to make you something with the chilies. Okay. Oh, if, all right. All right. But if I brought you hatch chilies, I wouldn't know what to do with them. Th- they would sit in the freezer and you'd ask me every week for 52 weeks. What can I do with these chilies? Wow, that's very hurtful. Ian. It's not hurtful. It's I, I, it's what would happen with a fresh ingredient like that because you don't use them. 
And you'd be concerned about what to do with them. How much did you enjoy the chili I made in the fall? You loved that chili that good I made. good chili. But, I mean, hatch green chilies, you know, you could do that. You could just throw that right in there. It'd be delicious. Okay. But I think All it'd right. be easier to make you All something right. because okay. then you'd actually okay. eat it right away. Oh, thanks, Ian. Ian's going to cook for me. That's a first. I don't think Ian's ever cooked for me before. That's fantastic. Ian's a good cook. I'm actually a decent cook. I'm a decent cook as you pound that. You've got your moments. Thanks, Ian. You're welcome. That's not even a backhanded compliment. That's like a backhanded, under-the-chin, uppercut <laughs> comment. Wah! Got your moments right there. Uh, I grilled with Frank. Burgers uh, look good. I don't want to call it. Oh, I sent it to Ian. I'll put it here. Burgers um, look good. I never did that before. I never made my own burgers with, with chopped meat. Never did that ever in my life. I always did prefab stuff whenever I grilled, you know, on the foreman grill. But no, oh, I you always bought, like, prefab yeah, patties? No, but that's not as good. It's not as tasty. No. It's not fresh. Mm-hmm. This is fresh meat. And then Ian gave me some advice. Ian's, Ian's like my 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 um my Jedi Master cooker. <laughs> I asked for advice <laughs> on stuff. I'm like, hey, what, what do I do? All right, you do an egg. You do some of this. So I did uh, garlic powder, onion powder, and egg. Worcestershire sauce. There. That's a that's a big key. What the Worcestershire? And I and I didn't have mustard. Uh, I didn't have mustard uh, powder. Powder. So I just I went. <laughs> Two two spritz of just regular yellow mustard, and that's pungent enough. I think it gets in there enough, probably. Yeah. And that was it. I usually and, do uh, garlic powder, salt, pepper, but the Worcestershire, you got to have it. Adds just a little something. and then an A egg. little kick? Yeah. And egg. I can totally understand the onion powder, too. That makes sense. And people out there, the egg binds it. It helps binds it together. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with meatballs. You, you want to use an egg with when you make meatballs. Same you don't thing. need a ton of it. Use one oh. egg per two pounds. You're fine. Yeah. Um, and then we, I made six burgers. I made two half pounds and four quarter pounds for me and Frank. And that was way too much. We, I can't eat how I used to eat. And I still think I can eat how I used to eat. That's the problem. I used to be able to do two burgers, two hot dogs, all the sides. No, pro- no problem. No problem. I, boy, did I struggle with the one burger and the one hot dog. I struggled. And Frank did too. Frank was like, he said, oh, I should have brought a bowl with me. It could have settled my stomach. Could eat, could have ate more. Yeah. They, they were, they were good burgers. I, I didn't want to pat myself in the back too much. Like that was a damn good burger I made. Like that was good. And we had we had the, the thick thick uh, bacon slices next to it. Oh, intermittent fasting. Nice. Oh my god, that was something oh, yeah. else Warren made that I've never had before. He made. Have I met dev- Warren? I think you met Warren. He's been one of those house parties. Yeah. Uh, Warren made deviled eggs. Oh yeah. But he uh, blended a little avocado into the egg yolk mixture and then topped them with uh, peppered bacon. Okay. It was it was the fucking best deviled egg I'm, I've ever I'm, had. I'm starving right now because I love deviled eggs, and we, we need more excuses to make them throughout the year and have them. Besides, besides like, it's the summer. I can have a deviled egg every, every day if you want. You know. A deviled egg a day. Yeah, keep, keeps the doctor, doctor away. Right? There you go. <laughs> I would definitely do I, that. I, I'd be on board with that. Uh, that's, that's what I did. I exercised a little bit. Um, watch, I've been watching a lot of X-Files reruns. That's why I've been falling asleep, too, the past month. It used to be Unsolved Mysteries. But the soft Mark Snow music is just like you fall asleep to that music. Sometimes it's too it's too loud the ambient music. It was when I first watched it. You can't hear some of the dialogue. The mix is bad. But his classic Mark the Mark Snow music. Um, that theme was top ten still. That that X Files theme is oh, yeah, it's great. It's good great. shit. So I did that and I, I and I, I watched one match and I watched the highlights. Uh oh, wrestling is pulling you back in. At least AEW, they did their all out pay per view. For whatever it said, it was an outstanding pay-per-view. Some people said it was the best pay-per-view in forever. Um, and they had big, big, big reviews. Big, 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 big news. And you had you had three, four premieres in the same show. AEW said, you know what? 
we're gonna go for broke. This is we're gonna do like Hall and Nash sort of like WCW sort of thing. You know, and that was like over a couple yeah. of months. In one show, they had not just the, the first CM Punk match in seven and a half years versus Darby. That was just, it was an all right match, pretty good. You know, people love Punk. Uh, Ruby Riot from WWE came in as Ruby Soho. Uh, that was people pop for that. Minoru Suzuki, who is a very dangerous person in real life uh, from New Japan, and he's beloved, and he's a great wrestler. He came over to face John Moxley, and people went nuts for that. People chanted his anime theme song. They knew it. So it was like, this is a smart crowd. They knew it. They knew who he was. And then Adam Cole from NXT, who was like one of the biggest guys in NXT, uh, he came in after the main event when um, Christian uh, lost to my pal Kenny Omega. Um, he came in and people said, oh no, who's going to go with it? He went with the elite. And then to close out the show, the show was great enough. Uh, Brian Danielson, ex Daniel Bryan came in and the crowd went nuts. So like this was Daniel Bryanson. He's an ex Daniel Bryan. Well, <laughs> cause I, I, when I met him, I, I knew his real name. When I met him at the restaurant, I called him Daniel. I was like, I don't know what you just call a person by the wrestler name. Is it too smart to call him by the real name i didn't know what the procedure was i never met a wrestler before in real life so i was like hey daniel it's you my just, you just take off your shirt and run full tilt I, I don't know if i told the story well i'll tell the story real quick it was my birthday i was with my girlfriend at the time uh it must have been five years ago because i looked at the history that's when uh total bellas was first airing and, and i didn't know they were doing the show but they were there was it was an italian restaurant they were filming there the bella twins were there uh Daniel Bryan was there i did not see cena there they're all they were local not anymore but they used to live all four of them live locally at one point, now only only John Cena lives locally in San Diego. Um, it'd be funny if I ran to John Cena randomly, like this, at the flea market. But <laughs> they were waiting outside, I guess, for them to get set up. And he was they were they're outside the restaurant. I saw him. So I went outside, and I was just like, "Hey!" I stayed like ten feet away. I don't want to like crowd him. Be weird. He was with with his now wife, and I was like, "Oh, hey, hey, Daniel, how's it going?" He goes, "Hey, dude, what's up?" And I'm like, "It's my birthday. Oh, happy birthday!" And that was basically it. Then I was like, "I was like, wait a minute. I know someone that works for WWE. I." I I knew who became the SmackDown head writer. It's like, oh yeah, I, I, do you know? Uh, do you know Steven? I know Steven. I've known him for years. He's a he's a writer. And either Daniel Bryan's like, is this person crazy? Daniel Bryan is like, oh, I, I don't know. But uh, then uh, Brie was lovely. Either she knew who he was or pretended to to get me away. She's like, oh yeah, I know Steven. And that was it. That was an interaction. Oh. Very nice. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I know Steven. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm, I'm Steven. sure they did. Hey, Steve. He was a writer for five years there. You know. Yeah. So. I'm sure they knew him. I don't know if the writers communicate with the with the wrestlers day to day or what that works, but they're all, they have to go to all the shows now. I know that. And they got to wear suits though because it's still a fucking carny thing. There's all these codes. The writers got to show up in suits to to the television tapings. Why? You're not working a desk job. That was my weekend. Sorry, Ian. That's all good. You talk about Sonic Colors Ultimate. Yeah, so another year, another Sonic game comes out, and there's problems. Uh, Sonic Colors wait, Ultimate. Wait a second. Oh, wrong one. Sorry. Uh, I, I messed up my soundboard. Fucking killing me. I never um, even used that one. I was, I was... Woo! So, uh, <laughs> wow, my back. Oof. Um, yeah, so it was a uh, port of a oh, Wii sorry. game. Uh, supposedly one of the better Sonic games that came out during, like, the dark ages of Sonic games. The dark ages of Sonic. And uh, got ported to the PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Maybe the PS5 uh, and whatever I don't know. Probably a PC port. Uh, anyways, the focus is on the so- uh, the uh, so Switch. What, what port. do you? Mean? Anyway, 
uh, on a Switch port uh, that apparently has been very bad. Uh, a lot of graphical errors, a lot of like flashing colors and stuff like that that uh-huh. aren't supposed to be there. Um, flashing colors that are not supposed to be like, there. Like, like, like seizure-inducing flashes that, that they like, put in that weren't originally in the game? I think they're just like errors that cause like the flashing. Okay. So anyways, yeah, it's not great and they are... Uh, Nintendo, they're offering refunds through the the online Nintendo store. Is it's Nintendo purchases. offering the refunds? They know that this is such a big screw up that they're Th- doing it. That themselves. I believe is what the the article says they're like here. Sega, yes. you screwed up. We're trying to be nice to you, Sega, but you're you're screwing this up for us here. Yeah, in Nintendo land. So yeah, it's wow. like Nintendo is apparently offering refunds for Sonic Colors Ultimate. Um, you, you know what the, the relationship between Nintendo and, and Sega? I'm trying to have an allegory for what the relationship between Nintendo and Sega is at this point. You know, it's 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 almost like it's your ex rival that now it's like it's too pathetic to even. Like, oh yeah, we'll be nice to you and help you out, but you. This is why you're not a rival anymore. Stuff like this. That's the way I look at it. It's annoying. So, um, yeah, someone says that they went to try to get a refund for it, and Nintendo gave them a refund, no problem. Wow. Nintendo's probably aware of the issues. We'll see if this gets patched up and fixed. From what I understand, the PlayStation 4 and Xbox Microsoft versions aren't supposed to be nearly as bad. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's the word that's, on the street. That's the Ian's backhanded under, under uppercut. Not as nearly as bad. Moving Pat on. has his moments. You, you know, everyone's got their moments. Pretty sure you've told me I've had my moments before. Not know. not in that way, though. Just probably. don't know in relation to what. Yeah, not <laughs> I think it was in that context. Uh, Japan. Interesting anti-scalper techniques in place here in Japan. Kind I of am neat. all the hell for this. You know what? The more I look at Japan culture, I'm like, uh, you know, this 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 culture makes sense for some of this stuff. This this is some like, things. Yeah, not everything. Some things they got some. They got every every culture has a, their their black eyes. That's why I got to use your eye cream from geology. Um, but you know some things. So this is what they're doing here. So they are going to open up packages and unseal uh, model kits. Gundam was an example in this article here, and also unseal like boxes of cards, like Pokemon cards. If you're coming in to buy it. I just take the seal off for you have a nice day so yeah it, it's 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 interesting i think this is actually kind of a good idea and it does ensure that the people who are getting it are people who want it and want to use it sure because it takes it out of its collect its collectible state so for instance gundam models what they'll do is they'll open the package and they'll take out the sprue which is what all the pieces are attached to and they'll snip a piece off of it they're not taking pieces away from it but they're just breaking apart the sprue so there is so it's no longer brand new. So it's basically. no longer brand new. So it it's going a... to diminish the, uh, the, the, value. the the value for for collectors. Um, and then with Pokemon cards, if you've ever, Vani and I are both working through booster boxes right now of Evolving Skies. If you've ever bought a box of boosters, oh, I've bought before, plenty, like thirty six. You don't be Pokemon. I'm, anything. Yeah. If you ever bought a box, it comes in a special shrink wrap that has Pokeballs on it, and it covers it, and it's supposed to, you know... Anti-counterfeiting, it, it, It's anti-counterfeiting, but yeah. anti-tampering, too, sure. so that people can't, like, take the cards out, weigh them, and then, you know, start switching the cards around. You get what's supposed to be in there. Oh, waiting for the heavier, like, folio Supposedly, people say that, yeah, there's a, a difference between the pack weight for, like, oh, wow. some of the so heavier think, ones. So so people, people get that, crazy about they, it. They don't want boxes and 
take out all the packs with, with the chase cards. And- they could, yeah, people do like crazy stuff like that. So what they're doing here is they're taking the seal off because almost no one is going to. Pokemon in particular has been, obviously, we've talked about it. It's been nuts. Target stopped selling them here. Yeah, during the uh, pandemic. It's just been crazy. They, they're super popular. <clears throat> but if you take this, so like a booster box untouched of a set that people are looking for could be worth a ton. As soon as you take that seal off of it, there's no guarantee that they haven't tampered with it. So reselling it is going to be a nightmare. So I actually like this. I think this is pretty interesting. No, it's great. I think it's a neat idea and an interesting way to combat scalping. Combat? Combat. No, this is fantastic. And um, I don't know if, if it's if scalping is a big deal in Japan. I'm guessing it is in some extent if they do this. But it's very... It's almost like... They really think about the whole experience there. It's like, we're looking out for everyone here. It's, it's almost like an afterthought for, for companies to try to do stuff like this, if that makes sense. There, it's like, this is forward thinking. This is progressive. I like this approach. And what's neat about it is it's not ruining it for anyone no. who wants to use it. No. It's not like they're ripping the box or marking no. it to make it less desirable. If you are buying a Gundam model kit to build it, you're going to be cutting the sprues. Yeah. If you're buying Pokemon cards to open them, you're taking the shrink wrap off. It's literally not doing it, any damage to the item as intended for a person using it. It's not affecting anyone but potential Fucking shoppers. brilliant. Yeah. Genius stuff. There you go. And, and, they, and they got that they got some some good stuff going on there too in terms of yeah they got some good video games in Japan that come out they sure do they sure do um you got nothing you got nothing the way that what? last topic ended you've got nothing okay i don't even talk about you uh china's going to ban online gaming though apparently oh well it yeah. says that uh, Ultimate Nintendo is next, and I was I like, know, you've wh- got no transition. I don't know what you're talking about. You were talking about China banning online gaming. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so so China is implementing uh, bans uh, on online video gaming during the week. Uh, this comes out of uh, CNN Business from Beijing, Hong Kong as well. I guess it's the same. Yeah, Hong Kong slash Beijing, because now they, they, they control Hong Kong. Beijing. Yeah, Beijing. Jing. Jing. During the Olympics, it was totally proven that the Jing thing is just something white people do to make it sound more uh, foreign. It's Beijing. That's just how I pronounce it. What do you mean? I'm not trying to make it sound foreign. Beijing. I'm saying Beijing. I'm saying the pronunciation. Yeah, I, that, I just remember that being everywhere during the Beijing Olympics, was that it's not Beijing. It's Beijing. It's just easier to say Beijing versus Beijing. It's Beijing. Beijing. That sounds more foreign to me. Anyway. Whatever. Okay, we're getting into that. China has barred online gamers under the age of 18 from playing on weekdays and limited their play to just three hours most weekends, marking a significant escalation of restrictions on the country's massive gaming issue. That's going to cut it off entirely. Yeah. At that point, are you kidding me? You only play three hours a week? That reminds um, me of yeah. like parents, be, as like kids being like, you can play video games for half an hour. Completely not understanding video games. Absolutely. Like modern video games, especially story-based video games, you can't do anything in half an hour. Maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Three hours on the weekend is, 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 is nothing. It's something, but it's, it's nothing. Especially, um, I, I think the thing is, is with how busy some of these schedules for kids can be, um, they may not even necessarily get to do the three hours on the weekend. They may not be able to use it all. But when you think about like a, a modern RPG, a 50-hour game, if they can only play on the weekends, that's taking forever. That does essentially kill the, the, the modern momentum associated with playing video games. Yeah, and obviously if it's, it's for 
you know, adults can do what they want. But if you wipe this out for children, that's a huge amount of revenue and all the free to play stuff and, you know, Fortnite and everything else. And then how's that affected when they grow up? Maybe you're trying, are you trying to, are you trying to wean your, your society and culture off of video games over time? That's what it sounds like, really what you're trying to do. Yeah. It sounds like a productivity thing. It's like, like they we don't want adults in the future to play this shit. So let's start with the children. Yeah. Um, Woo, authoritarianism. Woo! Yeah, not real big on that. Woo! Not real big on um, that. I mean, wow. Let's, let's, yikes. I'm not saying kids should be playing games, you know, three hours every day. If, 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 you know what I mean? Like if they, if they don't have time to do it, but holy shit. We've had more nuanced conversations about this in the past. Yeah, I definitely don't think kids should be playing video games all the time, but it also depends on situations, what they're getting done, what they're accomplishing. Yeah. In this current time, it's a way for kids to socialize. Socialization is important. That's cutting out huge ways of socialization. This is a... Uh, this is a. It's not good. This is government <clears throat> preaching culture and also tech at the same time, and, then, and they're going to have the means, I guess, to know who's playing these games and the ages... And this is scary stuff. This this is or- Orwellian stuff uh, right here. Um, and this goes off the limit set in 2019, which I think we talked about at the time. We did. When they restricted this 90 minutes on weekdays, which is reasonable. For yeah, weekdays. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't think uh, the restrictions should be there, but I felt like they're original restrictions. Yeah. If, if a parent were to decide to enact those restrictions on a kid on a case-by-case scenario, sure. I would say that those restrictions are not overly heavy-handed yeah i didn't play more than 90 minutes on a weekday during school there's no time right an I hour and a half is, is is totally reasonable and uh Sometimes three hours less. on weekends uh, that's a little weird but it's still. a little weird but like i said if a parent had chosen to sure. individually enact these rules on a child i would not think that the parent was being all that draconian uh this is from the national press and publication administration mppa they said uh, it's the beginning of a new semester of putting specific requirements for preventing the addiction to online games and protecting the healthy growth of minors. Um, and then there was um, – where was the article that likened it to opium? Where is that? Is that oh, in here? Oh, yeah. You mentioned something that, about yeah, that last night. Yeah, it's just like night. really – Social opium, they call it. Yes. Them. So if you don't know your history, uh, you know, one of the reasons why Hong Kong was controlled by the British, there was a big war between China and Great Britain in the early 1900s because uh, – China was trying to stamp out the opium being imported uh, there. It was a big, big deal. Um, and to, so to bring up a term like that, spiritual opium and an electronic drug, that's they're really trying to say, like, this is a culture war against outsiders. Yeah, you're you're, 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 you're choosing those words yes. very specifically to invoke a feeling. This, this is like a war from outsiders. That's basically what you're saying. That's what you're saying. And obviously the newspapers are, are government fucking newspapers in China. So that's what you're saying here. Um, yeah, I don't know where you go from there. I I mean, man, if I'm a kid there, holy wow. Yeah. Your world's trying to turn upside down. Mm-hmm. That's basically what's happening. Start learning. How Three to... hours a week of gaming, kids. Three hours. I guess. Hit the clock. Start learning how to get past, like, the get some emulators and some ROMs and just play your games in private. Yeah, you know, go on the AliExpress and get the stuff that's probably made in China. You get the handhelds and play some stuff I, I can picture a lot of parents being like this is a this is ridiculous and here here's a here's a nintendo right hook it up or whatever the equivalent was in china i don't know if they have the nes there absolutely you know, perfect like, time to go through all those super nintendo rpgs everyone talks yeah about. there you go <laughs> get that super nintendo classic uh hooked up there that's a, that's a shame that's a shame i uh, know it's not a shame though ian hmm. if you visit ultimate because there's plenty of there to keep you occupied even if you're not playing video games <laughs> You, you have books. I can't believe you did that. 
Yes. You have books you can read. Pins he, to jumped, wear. he jumped topics just so he could have it. I don't know what you're talking about. That was natural. That was it was right there in the list. RBI baseball stickers. You have uh, volume four and five of Video Game Years DVDs for sale, Ian. Your face is red now. It seems like you need some geology to help with that, right? <laughs> oh, that's another thing I did over the weekend. Uh, I got a sunburn. I got a sunburn yesterday. I'm a little red. You weren't, you weren't wearing your, your geology day cream with the I SPF. was, but apparently it, it was off. not strong enough. Yeah. Oh, Ian, come on. I sweated. You're, you're whiter than white. You, I'm a sweater. You, you have to You have to go SPF. I, I'm spicy white. I, I got a little bit of protection, at least. You, you're, you're plain white. I know. Chris always tells you know. me he's got the white person sunscreen for me. There you go. Like, like 50? <laughs> it's 50, and I didn't I, use it I yesterday. mean, I, I use minimum 30 myself because I'm horrified of getting sunburned. Like, I've had a couple bad experiences as a kid. That's not happening again. You know, so I, I use 30. So anyway. Uh, so that's AllBinNintendo.com. I'm also on Twitch every Wednesday uh, watching 80s and now 90s commercials. I sprinkle in the 90s there. I remind myself how much I hate the 90s compared to the 80s watching the commercials. That's at twitch.tv slash Contra Code. Ian will show up once every uh, blue moon. I was, was going to say blue moon literally, and it might actually not be that because there's like at least like a blue moon every year. Probably there's like one a year, about one every 16 months, and that's not how often Ian comes in. So maybe it is once in a blue moon that Ian shows up to there. Yeah, maybe. Um, $200, $200 million video games, Ian. That's what the Sony boss predicts. PS5 games will cost. Not a big article here from Eurogamer, but uh, this comes from, uh, yes, I'll accept all cookies. I love cookies. This is an article from uh, Wesley Yinpool, and it talks to uh, Sean Layden, who used to be an exec at PlayStation. He left a couple years ago. He told Bloomberg about the cost of game dev doubling with every platform. So PS4 games are $100 million, and now PS5 games will cost $200 million. To make and prices will only increase from there, according to him. Well, at some point, you, you got to realize it gets insane. And and why why are we keep doubling the cost? And obviously, games get, keep getting bigger and bigger, and they're more experienced games versus standalone games. And I get that, but at some point, you got to say like, all right, can we go back to smaller games? And this is the same thing with movies. It's like, can we make us like a, a, a medium sized movie? Now they're either huge movies or extremely tiny movies. There's no like. There's no like middle class anymore, and it seems like it's happening with video games as well. I've never been this unexcited about a generation of gaming, and I actually hate to say that. Like that brings me no joy. I love video games. I play modern video games. We don't talk about them much on here, but there's just there is nothing about this current generation that I feel like everyone's. I feel like everyone feels like they should be excited, but what are we actually excited about? Stuff isn't out yet. No one can get the systems. Maybe in two, three years, there's going to be an interesting pipeline, but I'm not even seeing anything that like looks like it's coming out within the next year that I feel like I need to run and get. And with the prices of games going up, we're going to see less and less games hit the shelf, at least less and less games of a triple A variety, which means we're probably going to get less variety in games. And I'm just I'm, I'm kind of. I wish I wasn't. I wish I was excited. I wish someone could explain to me why I should be, but nothing of we're. This is where we're going to get – as the prices go up, you're only going to get sure things. Yeah, that's why people are complaining about – you know, we go to the movies now. They're, they're 90% genre movies. There's, right. There's no, like, smaller dramas anymore or period pieces. It's like – it's all – oh, it's all big Fast and Furious movies. It's all MCU movies. It's all – like, what about the other people? Like, what's, what's the stuff they – like, that's gone. Like, like was it? Like, Fox, like, Searchlight, like, the, the independent, like, smaller stuff wiped out 
they don't do like those smaller stuff anymore. So, I mean, it still requires a budget, but they're not $200 million budget. It's like $20 million budget. You know, like for games that can't exist, is there got to be super tiny or super huge? There's nothing in between anymore. I guess I can't say I'm not excited about modern games because I'm excited about a lot of like smaller stuff. But as far I I feel like I feel like AAA games have left me far behind and I don't know what it would take to get me back into them. I have no idea. We go double A. I have no idea what the last AAA game I played was like trying to think about it. I really have no idea. It would have been something on the PS4, I guess. Maybe the well, I mean, it depends if you consider. uh, But even the most recent Nintendo title I played that was like a major release was just a re-release. It was Super Mario 3D World. So, yeah, I don't know. I wish I could get more into it, but that doesn't appeal to me anymore. Mm. All right. Uh, You want to talk about this Poly Mega review from Polygon? Double Poly? Hmm. Did I skip something? I did. I'll talk about this. Uh, We can skip the other thing. Can you skip the other thing? Yeah, because it's not out. I mean, whatever. Uh, Poly Mega... Uh, it, it, so I guess Polygon got got one. Who you better send one to Polymega. Um, so this is an article from Chris, Christopher Grant. So it's four years after being unveiled as a RetroBlox, four and a half years, being renamed just a few months later, shifting from FPGA technology to software emulation a year later, then opening for pre-orders a year after that. <laughs> the all-in-one retro gaming console, Polymega, is finally shipping out on September 12th. That's the lead. And that's the history of the of it right there. With lots yeah. of twists and turns uh, there. Um, so, in short, the review says w- what we know about it. It's an FP, uh, not FPGA, emulation-based modular console. The base units are your CD games, Sega CD, Turbo CD, Neo Geo CD, PlayStation, and Saturn, which is what most people are excited about because uh, Saturn emulation has been been uh, not the best in the past, and, they, and it sounds like they, they, they did a little branch path of this emulator, especially for this, uh, for the for the Saturn um, yeah, custom BIOS file. So playing Saturn games is as simple as popping in your pristine copy of Panzer Dragon Saga. Yeah. So we're going to see a lot of people get this this month. And I think, unfortunately, with the Polymega, it comes back to what I said about this is years too late. And the ship has pretty much sailed on this. And you're going to have some people that might be excited to get this just to be, just to get, oh, like I always said, I want a disc emulation system. Sure. I want, I want my... The, the the disc version of a Retron Five, absolutely. The market needs one, but then you hear it's four hundred dollars now, and then all of a sudden you see a lot of people just be like, at that point, not two hundred, not even three hundred, four hundred dollars, and so it's it's I I I feel bad for the people that are still at the company that put their heart and souls in this for like you know five years. The front end know. looks pretty nice from what we've heard. The user experience is fairly seamless. I hope these things are built well. If you put down money for this and you get one, I hope it lives up to your expectations. I don't think at the end of the day, and we've said some pretty stern things about the Polymega. My bigger concern was that people got their systems. Um, my second concern is the price. Uh, it's a neat item, but it, yeah, like Pat says, it's... Who's Pat? It, it's it's shot past its window of I think truly wowing people, especially at four hundred dollars, not including any of the other cartridge and not being FPGA add-ons and not being no. FPGA. It's it's going to make some people happy, and if you got one, like I said, I I, I hope that's you. Um, had it come out earlier at a hundred bucks less, even even a hundred bucks less. If those modules, and I'm not saying that they should be cheaper just to be cheaper. I mean, business is what it is. Had those modules been closer to 50 instead of 80? Supposed to be originally 60, I think, yeah. 
I, I, we'd be talking about this differently, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's not that it was a horrible idea, but technology yeah. passed it by. Yeah, the need for it has, has gone, has, has passed If by. this came out five years ago, this would have been the biggest thing. Yep. If this came out even three years ago, 2018, it would have been a fairly big deal. Then each year, more items come out, more FPH consoles, more, yeah. more, more Terra Onion products, and now Mr. I'm leaving stuff out, but you have all these other things out that this, people are satisfied. They're good. I'm like, I'm good. I got this. I got my Terra Onion for my Sega Saturn. I'm good. Or I got. I my feel like if you there. have the physical media, you're probably going to want to go FPGA. And yeah. if you don't have the physical media, well, this isn't going to do it for you anyways because you need it. But at that point, the Mister exists. Yeah, and in, in, in the same, if not actually cheaper price. It's range. in a void. Yeah, the items now in a void, especially right. at that cost. Because now at that cost, I can get. Uh, the analog duo when it comes out and I can get the analog pocket, you know, so it's like I can get that mm -hmm. and be good and, and some money left over for stuff. So, like, that's the thing. It's like, uh, anyway, that's fun. Yeah, I, I returned to the flea market, Ian. I hadn't been there in five, six months. Uh, Frank said I, I'd put it off for the last few weeks because my heel was bothering me and my heels feeling better. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I got up 720. I got there before eight. I don't get I don't get six oh, anymore. Oh shit! Sorry. You, you okay, Ian? Ah, uh, yeah, something just went. Let me get my Cairo gun. I'm work good. on you here doing the podcast. Mario can work on it there with, yeah. his, with his big hands. <laughs> Mario can those keep big his, mitts. He can, Mario can keep his big fucking paws to himself. Um, sex so I went, pest. What? Sex pest. Wow, that, that's some allegations against Mario right there. He just pause. likes to hug. That's what the arms are for. Um, so I went to the swap meet. Um, it was like vintage clothing and sneaker day. So there was extra sellers there. So a lot of younger people than I would, would have not normally seen in vendors, but it was full. Um, obviously there was like two rows with them, but like it was a full seller swap. I mean, I didn't see that in years um, going back to that, that back row there. And so I got there like before eight, which is if that it wasn't, that wasn't always too late at some point in time, that wasn't too late. And you can still find stuff. People are putting stuff out later. But man, it it was I mean slim pickings. My God, uh, you cannot find any not just any deals. There's just no variety of stuff at least that we're interested at here. Like we're talking about toys and video game stuff. It it was um, disappointing. Um, I spent twenty bucks so unofficial swap meet. I did see an NES. No, a, a, a Corroded on the back, like if you got a Q-tip in there, it was like it was almost like it was exposed to too much, too much salt, salty air. Mm -hmm. uh, but an NES, for, it was still here. I was surprised. This is the one thing I found was a deal. An NES, one controller, fifteen bucks. That's not bad. That's, with no hookups, that's not bad. No, that's pretty good. Um, if it works, there was no games with it though. Um, so I buy, but I I don't need that. It, from years ago, I would have bought that. I don't need that. Yeah, definitely uh, not. Um, so but what I did find it was funny. It was across from. This is what I'm getting into. This is what the swap meet was in a second. Uh, across from, you know, the, the, the people that have the storage units or buy old stock of all the CDs and DVDs and movies, and there's some games thrown in, and, and we're talking to people as a person has thousands of stuff laid out. People are hunting through all of them. You have the people with their little readers to scan to see what they're going for on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Those people were out in force more than I've ever seen before doing really? this stuff. Yes. Really? Lots of those people. There was like two or three of vendors that had a bunch of stuff. But across from them, I saw a couple of, of 360 games, and Pat never looks for 360 games. And underneath one was DuckTales Remastered, your favorite game. Mm. So I got a DuckTales Remastered for only five bucks. That's a good deal because those are out of print, right? I hate it. Store. You thought it was all right. No, I did not think it was all right. It was not all right. 
kids are not all right. You know? So I got that. Um, and then what else? There was another vendor. Wario. Wow. I feel bad for Wario. His, his, he is not. Oh, he's <laughs> seen better days. Has Wario fallen on hard times? Because he his stock relies upon the other vendors that he picks through at six in the morning. Right. They're not coming anymore with their with their cheap prices. Right. They're basically basically there's less and less people using it as a yard sale. If, yeah. If less people use it as a yard sale, he can't get his supply. I can't get my stuff, but then he can't get his supply to upcharge it. So I mean, we're talking like shrinkage in terms of games there. But there's a younger seller that has a bunch of other games that are much more of a variety, but were, they were the eBay prices. And this guy's probably about 35, 40. And I think I, I, I did a tweet tweet thread. I don't know if you saw it on Sunday. No. Because Ian doesn't, he mutes me. Um, I did a whole tweet thread of stuff I found there. I was cleaning and, peps on Sunday. Um, and, and then um, I came around, this guy had a lot of games. He had um, counterfeit Game Boy color games and Game Boy Advance games. Like, like there was a counterfeit Shantae uh, right there, sealed. I was like, this is all counterfeit stuff. Without even like, looking at how to see how bad the blurriness is, I'm like, and this is a seller that I point out before he had counterfeit games and seemed to care, not doesn't care anymore. I guess a year later, doesn't care. So that was disappointing. There was a bucket, a bowl of a mix of loose Sega Master System games some, some hard to find and a punch bowl. Yes. Uh, well, it was a woven bowl and um, Jaguar games. So like Kasumi Ninja next to uh, next to like Zillion next to the uh, uh, uncommon King's Quest Master System game. But they all didn't have boxes and they all were eBay prices. It's like no one's going to buy. No one's going to buy these games. Uh, no one's going to say I'm a Sega Master System collector. I'm going to go to the swap meet to find the games that are. The same price I get them online. It's like no one's doing that. Yeah, there's this so. little robot chihuahua in a box. Oh, you're, yeah, see, and so I, so I, I got that. I got it. I, um, there was a, there was a, a, a vendor with toys from like a storage unit that '90s toys up the wazoo. I'm talking like all the X Men toys, Ian, uh, X Force, like the Fantastic Four figures from the mid '90s, and all those shows, the anime shows were on. A couple of Dick Tracy figures there, not the any ones that are worth any money. Um, no GI Joes. I did get a Bendem Roger Rabbit figure that was still on the card for police five bucks only i can't do the police it was it was seven bucks or uh three for no seven bucks or four for 20 i couldn't find more than one listen can i get the one okay five bucks but like people were picking through that and probably toy resellers were picking through that because because i i I guess those spawn figures sell somewhere and those next generation figures i mean they're worthless but like but someone bought a bunch of those things Spawn and remember the spawn figures how hot they were in the nineties? Nah, I don't really. You don't remember how hot those were? Mm-mm. They were the people go to Toys R Us and get them early in the morning. Anyway, um, so that was it was interesting to see vendors like that. There were card vendors in terms of sports cards. There, new yeah. sports cards. I was talking to one, and he was that's, t- that's like a big thing now. I know it's a big big thing, but it's like I don't see how people don't see parallels to the car bubble the 90s i don't i just don't see it it's like dude this has happened 20 years ago you know like what 25 years like what and he's and he was telling me that there's this company now i don't know if it's called premiere that the card packs cost so much money it's artificial scarcity it's like yeah a box of cards is like a grand or something or more i'm like for i'm like for new cards for new cards he's like yes he's like it's like i don't know if he told me the price but i'm doing the math in my head 40 50 bucks a pack of cards 
like something I've heard like of that? that. I've heard of that shit. Yeah. Like what? Like this? Are, are, these are like high price scratch offs now at this point. Yeah. Because it's no longer oh, a buck, a buck for pack cards or two bucks. Because it's all about getting the hit, and then if it's a hit you want, you keep it, and if it's a hit you don't want, you trade it away or you sell it, and you make money back. So yes, there is it. it, it it's it's kind of similar to how like. Um, but, I don't know if it's how it's done now, but how Pachinko at least was done at one point in time, where you don't win actual money, you win like you credits, can, you win in. credits that you can buy things with, and then you can sell the like like a like a prize counter at at like a uh, at like a an arcade, sure. and then you re- but the 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 idea is that you always resell those things. But how does the economy work on that for the cards that the packs are that expensive? At some point, it's like playing the slots. There's going to be some winners, but most people lose long right. term. It just has to be like that, right? So, like, how does the math work out uh, for that? For that, because at that point, you're not collecting a full card set if it's costing you fifty bucks a pack. You're going for the chase cards. You're not. You're right. not going for the. You're not going for like the six hundred major league baseball player. You know what I mean? You're not. You're not doing that. The other cards are in there as a. I mean, because you they throw have them to out. Be. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, you can't just say, "Well, this is basically gambling." Like it's straight up. You know, obviously, before yes, you always look for chase cards. There were actually there weren't chase cards for the nineties. What am I talking about? In the eighties, there weren't chase cards. There weren't. There were just cards, and you went, went for the rookies. Uh, you got, you got. Yeah. <laughs> you That's got, what you There were some special ones, but not. I mean, not and not until the nineties. Not until the nineties. Yeah, like mid nineties when they got bigger. Yeah, usually you yeah. wanted the rookies and stuff like you that. One of the rookies. They, 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 yeah, they did like their like they did the little half sets of like the, the trade and, and rookies, but those those still weren't chase cards though. You bought the whole set of those. right. So yeah, bizarre, bizarre, Ian. Um. I spent like twenty bucks, fifteen bucks. That's what I mean. Twenty bucks is what you said. Yeah, twenty bucks under twenty-five, under fifty bucks, fifty bucks. And um, when I left, it was it was mobbed too. It was mobbed. Really? Um, you see that one person complained I was wearing a mask in, in, in that. I did not see them complain about it. They said I was virtual signaling because I, I showed a picture of myself. And I was I, I saw I wore a mask. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I wore a mask. I'm sorry. Yes, and I'm you're sorry. virtue signaling by saying you're virtue signaling. You're, you're signaling your virtue. It's dumb. It's dumb. People are dumb. Because I want... Here's the thing. I, Fuck. I enjoy wearing masks. Yes, I enjoy doing it. No one wa- enjoys wearing masks. That's the only thing. Like people, some people think we do it. No. We, we, no, one, no one wants to actively wear masks for the rest of our lives. It's ridiculous. Not so people go at me in the fucking comments. Go at me, you fucking anti-science folks. All right. Is that it for, the, for, the, for this intro? That is. And I'm going to go grab my Diet Coke. What? Yep. That's it for this intro. That's it for the podcast. We're done. We'll see you later. Peace. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, Ian, there's been a lot of talk in hullabaloo the past few weeks regarding the controversial uh, WADA Games Grading Company in association with Heritage Auctions and yeah. uh, alleged uh, market manipulation and behind-the-scenes potential uh, string pulling in order to inflate the uh, graded game market the past two and a half years that we've been covering, and Carl Jobs uh, did his video on. And there might be a follow-up. Uh, rumor has it that, oh, he said it. There's going to be a follow-up uh, with it. So uh, in the midst of all this, uh, we talked about 
things we'd seen and heard. And I said, I saw this guy named Mark Haspel at a convention acquiring these games at a couple, two and a half years ago. And Seth Abramson uh, did a report that he had purchased a few games from this person without realizing it on eBay. Yeah. So, so basically uh, Mark Haspel uh, was co-founder, uh, of, co-founder WADA. of WADA said that um, Basically, the rule at WADA was that you cannot sell games if you are part of WADA. If you're an employee, that's employee. That was the direct quote from Dennis Kahn. And I think that's where, I think that's where people are trying to uh, find loopholes in this situation. Sure. Thought they're going to continue with that. So, so Mark Caspel, in light of uh, in light of Seth Abramson's coverage and maybe us reporting about it as well, um, he came out with a a quote here. Um, get this on the tweet here. And we're going to run through this quote here. Um, he was on a Facebook group. On the WADA Games Group unofficial, uh, certification has transformed vintage video game collecting considerably in the last three and a half years. Discussions, uh, well, first of all, I'll say it's changed graded game collecting. Discussions regarding video game certification, its purpose, and future are, are to be expected. Transparent dialogue is necessary and healthy for all participants in the video game collecting space. Yeah, great. It should be coming from your side, uh, Mark. The dialogue from WADA. Uh, as part of this public discourse, some concerns have been raised regarding my involvement with WADA and the video game hobby. I'd like to take this opportunity to clarify, to clarify my role as it relates to WADA. I was never employee of WADA. There you go. He can get away with saying they never. Right. I was never employed by them. Yeah, you're a co-owner of WADA. Uh, I have never been a board member or officer of WADA, which is funny when you go to the website, you see him. As part of the executive team, again, trying to splice here. You're on the executive team. You're an executive, but you're not on. You're not a board member, but you're you're invested in the company and you're a co-owner and you're a founder. You're trying to like splice hairs here, but you're still involved with the company. Um, I want to point something out. I, I want to say something about that though, and it not really being a, a, a loophole. Um, I remember, I think it was two years ago, I saw Dennis at one of the conventions. Okay. I said, said hi to Dennis. And he said, I want to show you something over here. And I said, okay. He wanted to show me the case they were using for the Game Boy games. Sure. And uh, I said something offhand about popularity. And he said something about, I said, like, the price is going up. And he said something along the lines of, yeah, I mean, I wish I could, you know, you know, sell some of these. And I said offhanded, you know, offhandedly, I said, you, you, you can't. Because I, I wasn't, I just wasn't thinking. It was, thinking it, 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 it was a, it was a convention. It was busy. We we're walking around. And he, just, he looks at me. And he goes, "No, of course I can't." And he's like, "That would be, you know, bad." And so, if obviously, if he couldn't, well, what I'm getting at is, if he said he couldn't do it, that would obviously extend to other people in the upper. Yes, it, it wasn't just for employees. It was for everyone. His, his statement was for everyone involved. To you personally? Yeah, that's what he said to me okay. personally. And that so because he understood as 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 a founder of the company and owner of the company that you can't an executive do that. that you ha- you can't I do cannot that. do insider trading. So, so to speak. he so Dennis was aware of that, and I mean made that very clear to me. You know that day, and like I said, that's uh, that's an obvious thing. That's not something that should be explained to anyone but like i said it was busy and i just i wasn't thinking so he was like yeah i can't do that so that does mean obviously anyone else let me get on this next statement this is what this is what fucking annoys me i was a passive investor in wada like other passive investors in the company probably referring to like jeff meyer who who was also getting trouble for selling stuff from the carolina collection because he he was a investor in the company i never had any oversight role or made any management decisions for WADA. I have never been involved in the day-to-day operations at WADA. 
the appearance of impropriety is oftentimes enough to be improper. That's the point of this stuff. Right. And that's why Mark and others are now getting this backlash. They didn't think either people would care or they get or they get caught or a combination. The fact of the matter is you are listed on government documents as a co-founder of this company, a co-founder, a co-founder. You're a founder. You're an investor. You're not passive. First off, you're not passive. If you are in the role you're on, you're as part of the executive team. You're on the website. Um, you go to the conventions. Of, I've seen you there to represent the company. You're not passive. Passive investor means, Ian, this is a passive investor. Ian, I'm going to give you $10,000 to make a fucking hot, do a hot dog stand. That I have no input at all. I don't say anything to you about it. It's like, it's like being a stockholder in a company, like a public stock where, all right, Ian, here's some money. Give me, give me my returns. That's a passive investor. The, the, the moment you are helping the company in any way, shape, or form, you're an active investor at that point. If you're going out and, and we're going to get to trying to promote the product, you are not passive anymore. That is a bullshit statement uh, from Mark Haspel. Uh, I was listed in the WADA SEC filings as was required because of my investment in the company. Yes, you're a co-owner when you're an investor. Uh, I no longer have any equity in the company because of the sale to Collectors Universe in July 2021. That's irrelevant. This behavior has been happening way before that. It's irrelevant. It's happening for years. Yeah, I would point that um, out. The irrelevance is kind of a... It's irrelevant. It's, and and Jen Halpern said the same shit. That's hand-waving. That's hand-waving. Yeah, it's irrelevant. I'm featured on Wada's website to help market video game certification to collectors, investors, and dealers, and other collecting fields. Doesn't sound passive to me. Does that sound passive? It sounds like, like marketing. That sounds like you're being active in promoting and helping the company. Um, I attended various conventions with Wada to order to help cross-promote video game collecting Collectors from other collectible spaces. Yes, that's the first thing I've seen. That yeah, I always said you're getting people from like comic books into this. Right? Yes, he came from comic books. He came from CGC. Like this is where the people came from. This guy wasn't a video game collector. He was a comic book guy. Um, I provided feedback to Wada when it, when it designed its original holder and label. Yeah, very again, very passive. I also provided my opinion to Wada before its launch on how components of complete boxes would be categorized and dealt with. Yeah, again, passive. You're helping form the company from the ground up. Yeah. It's not passive. It's not passive. It's ridiculous. Um, I briefly visited the Watt offices two times. This this guy is in videos saying he's a co-founder. Yeah, he's been in videos sitting next to Dennis talking about video game collecting. Two co-founders sitting next to each other, and you're telling me you're a passive investor? Are you out of your mind? That's passive. So, obviously, I'm not pleased by this. I'm not pleased by by this behavior. And there's more here as well. Uh, but I think that's all I really need to talk about here. He's trying to, he's also trying to say, like, oh, my return address was on every package. I, I didn't make it a secret, blah, blah, blah. He said he never uh, submitted games to Wada this, uh, any different from anyone else. Uh, he never requested to receive information from Wada. Here's the thing, though. How do I know you didn't get that information still? I got to now trust you. The whole point is I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't be asking these questions at all about someone who's a co-founder. If Dennis realized and told Ian that I can't be selling this stuff, why are you exempt from that? Why are you a special case? And when you say, like, I never requested to receive some, some information from WADA, I don't believe you. I have no reason to believe you. I have none. Because you should have been doing this to begin with. I, uh, all I really have to add is, is something I've said to you. I think when this sort of stuff happens, 
people get excited and they want to see their name attached to big new projects. So they find ways to attach their names to these big new projects. And then they don't want the responsibility that goes with it. So they find ways to hand wave it when it becomes inconvenient. If you are going to be listed as a co-founder of something, then you need to abide by those rules. You can't just hand wave that away later and say, oh, I didn't really do any co-founder stuff. Even if you did it, you went out of your way to have yourself attached to the project as a co-founder that comes with responsibilities. You invested money in the company. You are a co-founder. You are as important to the company as anyone else. You are you are more vital to the company than someone they hire, you know, as an employee. Because without you, the company wouldn't exist, technically. And now you're trying to tell me that you are passive and you had nothing to do with it because you got caught. You got caught, but even, but the fact of the matter is, if, if me and Ian yelled about this a year ago about this, it might have gotten any traction. It's because the video got a million views. And now a lot of more people are, are onto this is now you feel need, need to need to make this statement. That's, that's it. That's what it comes down to. And if you didn't get caught, you probably would, would have been still doing this and you wouldn't have never put out a statement. That's the thing. It, it took uh, a YouTube video with uh, a million people watching it and the journalist with a million Twitter followers um, doing re- reporting on this stuff for this to, to get to the point it's at. And, when, when I see people try to make light of it, first of all, people, the most people making light of this are people that are invested in this. They are, the, they are the graded collectors. And even some of them even say, oh, this is bad. They shouldn't be doing this. But it always comes back to, this is what the argument you see. You see, well, the prices would have gone up anyway. So it's like, we know it's bad, but the prices would have still gone up anyway. First of all, if you're invested into this market, I don't want to hear you because obviously you're biased about it. You're not impartial. And that's why it's so important that that video uh, was made by Carl, first of all, because Carl isn't against sealed uh, games. He's not against grading games. He just saw uh, what he thought was improper and unethical behavior and called it out. It could have been for any any other field. Obviously, it has to do with video games, but he called it out for what it was. I do think yeah. prices would have gone up eventually, and I don't think uh, these being expensive is the main problem. My main concern with this is that you create a market that looks alluring and you get people into it who don't know anything and they're at risk of losing lots of money. Yes. Does That's this... my concern. I, I don't really care how expensive these things get. No, but the point is this. Do you get to this point in time if you do not have that $100,000 sale that made the rounds and had all the articles about it that uh, Rich Lecce and Jim Halpern and the third individual invested in it and then went on Pawn Stars? to promote and had the guy grading it say, oh yeah, these games could be worth a million dollars. Like right there from the, from the bat unethical behavior, we called it out. Do you have all this stuff happening? If you do not get an article about some fucking dentist, the dentist middle of nowhere, starting an investment company in order to pump up the price of these. And that's not even, you know, talked about in those articles as being strange or weird. Do you get to this point this quickly? If that stuff uh, does happen, absolutely not. There's no way you get to this point in two and a half years. You do not get to this point in time. I'll bet any amount of money on it, it wouldn't happen. You can't make a, take a time machine, but you don't get here without these individuals propping it up. And that's the point. It's not like there weren't expensive video games before, but before they were based upon sort of a long tradition of what people were looking for, what was actually rare, what was coveted. Now there's no rules anymore. The, the rules are gone. The rules are gone, and now it's just what you think is going to be worth money. Um, so, so, yeah, it's a, it's a bad statement. I, I didn't expect anything uh, less from there because what else are you going to say? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sleazy. Well, what else are you going to say? What would you say Ian, if you got caught? Well, I'm sleazy. You know, I did an oops. It, oops, I made all this money and I just made money as an investor and the company was just sold. I made more money. Oops. 
I did insider trading. This form is like, oops, you know, um, it's disappointing. And uh, this is the beginning of it, not the end. That's 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 my my belief uh, when it comes to this. There's there's a lot of money involved. I will also say this: Collectors Universe, who did the purchase of Wada in July, um, who also purchased Golden Auctions in the same month. Golden Auctions right now is auctioning off two pristine Mario 64s. I don't know what they're at. I don't care. We'll, we'll probably talk about it in a couple of weeks when they end. Um, how do they feel right now with all this coming out? We never really talked about that. How do you think they feel uh, after making uh, that purchase of the company? Um, obviously, they believe in it, but did they know some of this activity was going on? Did they know that a co-founder was involved with this? Did they know that there's some stuff going on that seems shady, or did they not care? They just want to capitalize on it. That's what I would want to know. I'd love to be behind closed doors and at uh, at Collector's Universe to see like what their reaction was to that video and all this stuff coming out. I mean, they figured, no, we're, we're just making money. We don't care. I, I mean, yeah. honestly, I feel like that's probably it. And we're, we're just going to ride out any bad PR, you know, and that's it. Yeah. I think that's what will happen. I think that's what I think that's their end goal. And if there's a if there's a bubble that burst, they still made their money either way. Because again, they're they're double dipping. They I don't know how this is allowed. How is this not monopolistic? How do you own both? the grading company and the auction house that you put the games on. How does that, how is that not a, like an antitrust thing? That's not for me to decide though. That's not, that's not for me to decide. I mean, hell uh, they, they forced PayPal to separate from eBay. The government did. Yeah. Cause they're like, this is weird. You are using PayPal as your main service to pay for the stuff. People are right. buying on eBay. That doesn't seem right. So the government can step in when some this stuff happens. So they can't, I'm not saying they will, but they they have in the past. They've broken up big companies because it, it's weird. You can control markets in ways that shouldn't. It's not it's not free market capitalism anymore. That's the whole point. You you are you are you are controlling things and wedging them in certain directions you want. You're nudging things in directions. That's the whole point about about when we talk about collusion. Is that it's no longer a free market. This portion of the CU podcast is sponsored by Geology. Geology is a simple skincare routine formulated for daily use. It's for both individuals new to skincare and seasoned skincare experts. Geology is personalized for your skin and the benefits you want to see. Great for individuals with sensitive skin, acne, dark eye circles, or wrinkles. You say, wow, this sounds great. How can I get in on that? Yeah. Take a 30-second diagnostic quiz, and they formulate a regimen that provides the benefits your skin needs the most. This can be anything from reducing dark and puffy eyes, fighting acne and keeping oily skin under control, or protecting your skin and reducing fine lines and wrinkles. No one ever says, you know what? I need more fine lines and wrinkles on my skin. No one ever says that. You start with a complete trial set. These products work best together. So you get all four basic products. You get an everyday face wash. Get a vital morning face cream. Keep that protected throughout the day. Keep your face protected. A repairing night cream and nourishing eye cream. Which is my favorite for my dark eyes under my... These little raccoon eyes I got here. The sleepies? These little sleepy eyes. These little sleepies? (laughs) You can continue with 90-day supplies of the products you love the most. Subscribe and save or go a la carte. You're in total control. I got to say, it's really helped me control the oiliness of my skin, and I feel a little smoother and brighter. I said Ian looks smoother skin this morning. Smoother and brighter. Smoother and brighter. Happy guy. Geology has over 3,000 five-star customer reviews with an average customer rating of 4.7 out of 5. They've been recognized by Men's Health, Esquire, and Ask Men 2019 Grooming Awards. How do you get in on the action? Head to geology.com and take their free skincare quiz to save up to 40% off your 30-day trial. Or just click the link below. 
That's geology.com, G-E-O-L-O-G-I-E, to save 40% on your 30-day trial. Get going. Take care of your skin. Speaking of, speaking of free market economies. Speaking um, of collusion. Uh, retro gaming collusion and, and market manipulation outside of the greater games. Regular, good old, complete in box stuff in loose games. Yeah, leaving greater games behind. Leaving greater games behind. Good old, I, uh, good old Pat trying to buy Kid Clown for the NES. So there was a tweet put out. Uh, Ian, if you want to read it or talk by about Matt it. By Matt Paprocki, uh, a freelancer for WAPO, Variety, Rolling Stone, Forbes, ours, GameSpot, Polygon, Playboy, etc., etc., said that a friend uh, got a dead serious message on eBay, and it went like this. Hi, I would like to take a moment to see if you would consider raising the price. Now, before you write me off, hear me out. You see, there are very few copies of this game in circulation, and we as owners of the game each individually hold a high percentage share of the market value, given that less than 5,000 copies of the game were actually released to the public. You could even make a comparison to OPEC. In this case, we have full control of the supply and demand of this game. Currently, your game is priced a bit lower than the next lowest price on the market for a CIB copy, which hovers around 270 not requiring you to do anything, but I would like to highly encourage you to increase the price to at least 270 It is my belief that this is in the best interest of yourself, as well as the few select owners of this title. If we can collaborate together, we can drive up the price to more reasonable value that is more representative of the title's rarity. I hope this message finds you well, and thank you for your time. In due time, we can achieve a profitable outcome. Sincerely, Anonymous. And this got picked, this got tons of retweets, 5,000 retweets, 20,000. We were asked to look at it like 15 times, at least in my So, some people say this is true. Some people saying it's not true. It'd be a weird thing to just put out there and then get all this, uh, you know, I guess how many times could you do this and like cry wolf? I'm not, I'm going to take this person at their, at at the face value. This is true. Or at least the sentiment is true. Sure. The point is this. We're asked to talk about. Is something like this true or can it be? In my opinion, absolutely. It can absolutely be true. Um, You know, to pull from a popular example that we've used before um, that you have brought up before uh, that's in a different market, you simply look at what they did, what what happened with Amazing Fantasy 15. Or any of those comics at the time. And and graded comics and how people bought them up and people own multiple copies to pump up the value to protect the value protect the value overall in video games it's often been a you've mentioned you've talked about um people who bought multiple copies of stadium events yes that's as a way of protecting an investment the more of them you have the more i Um, mean you control them you decide what price those get trickled out at and you can you can inflate and control the value we've even talked about um uh, there was it was it was years ago, but we had a listener who did an experiment, basically doing that on their own with they copies bought, of, of Rampart copy, for yep. Game Boy. They bought every copy of Rampart they could find and managed to take a the seven dollar game to a twenty five dollar game. And yes. then they spent. And then I remember them. I think they even said in a follow up, they even spent like. And the problem with this is, is it takes a long time for prices to drop. I don't think bubbles, especially something as popular as video games. They don't just burst overnight. It actually took him. He was having trouble getting that game back down lower. He was selling his copies for lower prices, but because there were so many examples of it going for an X number of price, people just kept putting them back up for that price. Yeah, and here's the problem. Once you once you establish the, like the base price, if I'm then on eBay, if I see a game for $4, I, I know it's worth 25 I might try and flip it. The, the figurative uh, I, you know, like... 
It's like so then you're in this this feedback loop. If one slips through, that gets put back up, you know, immediately. That's the whole thing about the buy it now. Once the buy it now's came into existence, uh, video game collecting changed dramatically. And, yes. I know it's, and I know it's been a long time. It's been over 10 years about since the buy it now came into existence. seems like it's been longer. But I, I feel it's like about, it's been longer. Uh, it, it was around the time I moved here. Okay. It, it was around that time. We can see when did buy it now start. Okay, when did buy it now's start on eBay? But the point is this. Before, it was entirely like free market forces or more so because you put up games for auction. People bid up what they thought they were worth. That's it. I think it's worth that. I'm going to buy it. It's a lot harder to do collusion either directly or indirectly without a set sales price. Because if there's like, if there's like 30 copies coming up at the same time for auction of a game and you all start at whatever, two ninety nine ninety nine cents, those could end dramatically different places depending on who's being at the time, right. what their interest is at the time. That's a lot different than setting a base almost uh, retail price on something because then at that point um, you're forced into it or else you got to wait. My story about – I'm going to get back to that thing about Nintendo Age. I forgot about that. I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story first. That's one of the reasons why people turn against me on Nintendo Age. I said when one person was outed for buying several stadium events all within a short amount of time on the sneak, I said this is bad. On this the is, sneak. Yeah, because like – On the sneak. Because some people knew about it, and this is why Nintendo Age was fucking terrible. Because and uh, a lot of the mods were in on it with some of the sellers, and they were associations, so it was dirty. They were they weren't impartial mods on there. I pointed out like this is bad behavior. This 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 should not be commended. This should they should be chastised or tossed off the site. And people came at me uh, for that. They didn't Spanked. like they, they don't they don't like me trying to be you know like a crusader when it came to that stuff to try to stamp out that behavior. But when someone buys all the product within a short amount of time, this is what happens. They're going to overspend to do it to make sure they get it. So, say for example, we'll go back to that. Say say it's a uh, say it's Adventures of Rag Gravity. Say it's a five dollar game, or whatever, whatever it was. I'm gonna say it's a dog shit game. Yeah, I I didn't give it a good uh, re- review, or whoever rewrote it. The original review was shit in the book. I, I had it rewritten by a better author. Anyway, um, so what happens when I want to get all the game quickly or a lot of them? I'm gonna overpay. I'm not gonna be patient. I'm gonna seek out and be like. Yeah, I want this game, but I really want to keep it. Okay, I'll give you uh, t- double the amount for it to make sure I get it, or uh, 25% more. That increases the price um, privately. And then you're holding the, the, on to it. So you have yes. a record of sale at that price, yes. and now you have multiple copies. If you have the money in your bank account to do this, this is a great way to both create the reason and give yourself the product. And you give yourself, like you said, the track record. Here's, yes, here's the, the receipt. The oh. reason. The reason. Oh, yeah, the, this the game is not worth, Rag Rare is not worth five. It's worth 20 bucks because look at these five sales. Yeah, you made all those sales or you you bought into it <laughs> Yeah, to do it. And going back to Nintendo Age, remember Hagani? That wasn't always a several hundred dollar game. One summer, I think it was, I want to say it was 2012 or so, 11. I went on Nintendo Age and people were like, hey, did you know Hagani was an exclusive rental and blah, blah, blah. And then that game, all of a sudden people started to get it started to go out and buy it, and you had people hoard that fucking game. That used to be a $100 game, $75 game. Hagani. Yeah, I, I think that's a um, little different, though. I think um, I, I think a, a an exclusive game that was previously unknown to be rare is definitely going to jump up in price <laughs> once it's known to be rare. I think something like a, a, a stadium events is a better example. Everyone knew it was rare. That's purely just people buying and holding on to. I get that, but like Hagani... It would have eventually um, become a... Someone would have no, figured that out. 
I, yeah, but I have games on my shelf that are just as hard as Final Hagani that are worth under fifty bucks for the Super Nintendo. That's the point. Sure, they made it. A, a, they made it, and they did it on purpose. And I'm, I'm, I bet you, when that happened, and all those people were talking about it, that some had multiple copies. That's the whole point. They, they were preparing for it. Um, there's, there's, there's always been Haganis available. That's the point, and multiple ones. Anyway, back to the point here. So you can do, you can do the collusion. You can work with others or not, or indirectly. I want to talk about Kid Clown. Kid Clown was one of the last 10, 15 licensed games I needed. You know, I've never really played that game, and I really want it's to fun. now. It's fun. It's a, I didn't know it was it's a fun. crazy castle game. Oh, I didn't know. What? Come back. It's part of the Crazy Castle series. I didn't know that. No. I didn't know that either. Um, and there's a Super Nintendo one, and there's the NES one, and there's a Game Boy one, right? So Kid Clown was always on eBay between the two or three big sellers at the time. Uh, Lukey Games, DK Oldies. There was a third one. I think uh, the third big, you know, the big conglomerate retro game sellers that yeah. has bots that buys lots that we found out or has, you know, ends. What was the third one? I forget. The point is this. The two copies that were always on sale for Kid Clown at the time. JJ well, Games, DK Oldies. Yeah. And Lukey Games. Lukey Those Games. are three ones. There might have been a fourth one. Um, the copies that I always saw for a year, because I'm crazy, and I didn't want to pay the buy it now, were always at like 80 bucks for these Kid Clowns. And I'm like, no one wants Kid Clown except crazy people like me. No one wants them. So what did I do? I waited, and I waited. Finally, open auction eBay, and I guess those bots didn't pick it up. Remember what I got that for? I mean, I told you. Got it for under 20 bucks. It was like 18, 19 bucks, maybe 20 bucks. That was an $80 buy now. I got it for 25% of the price because I didn't buy into it. But if I had, you'd have this record of, oh, Kid Clown's worth 80 bucks. You might have someone else go in and be like, well... I better bid it up to that amount, or I can sell it for. If I was a reseller and I got it for twenty, what would I do? I put it back up, buy it now for sixty, right, and sell it instantly. Because yeah. the last person would be like, "Wow, I lost it at eighteen. I better buy it for sixty, or else I got to buy eighty. So when when you hear people, and I've had arguments with game collectors and game historians about this, that think this the free market exists and that's it. Things are worth what people want to pay for. It. They don't keep, take into account collusion psychology. Uh, there's something called like auction psychology that people wanted to win something, willing to pay more for something. There's a lot of stuff that goes on with this, but this, well, this conversation is about market manipulation and collusion. Absolutely. There's been market manipulation going on. There absolutely has been uh, for certain games. You can't do it console over console, but yes, you can pick certain games at one time to do it with. You absolutely can. And that doesn't even take into account the example you said, uh, did you bring up the Flintstones dinosaur peak? No, I did not. There was one guy with over 20 over two dozen of those. So, Going to Ian's point, that person will overspend to get them, get them as, as, as many as he can. And Use then the overspending can... as as a reason for the price they are charging for it, even though it's the price they paid. And then, but eventually, it's going to be worth more because I oh, I own yes, the supply, I, I that, own all, of and them. that's where it becomes an OPEC. OPEC is the conglomerate uh, in the Middle East that they, they, all the different countries that produce the oil they come together and they set the market price. That's what the OPEC reference was. If you don't know out there, that's what it is. They they literally control the supply and set the price. Which is which is weird, but you know it's an international thing that we have to deal with here. Um, so that's what it comes down to here. Do you have any examples? You brought up uh, before the podcast about Pokemon cards. Have you seen what Pokemon cards with like people trying to get all of one card or pump up one um, card? No, I was thinking about. I don't. I, it's not really the same thing. I was just thinking about how Pokemon is you know is blown up in price and people do. So th- there is there's there's these things called elite trainer boxes. And the Elite Trainer Boxes come out every time a new set of cards come out. And the Elite Trainer Boxes have like nine or ten booster packs in them, some dice and markers, 
uh, sleeves and a nice box to put your cards in. Sure. And those things are supposed to be at like 44, I think they're supposed to retail for 40 or 45 bucks. Um, but people like people started scalping their own goods. People would buy them, control the price of them. And then distributors, there were some scummy distributors out there that would actually sell them to stores because stores couldn't get them. They would basically raise the price so that over time, especially during the pandemic, the price of these elite trainer boxes went from the 40 they were supposed to be at retail to like 49.99 or 69.99 so became the new accepted they're, price. They're choking the supply they're choking and selling the, it yes. back at a higher price. Right, exactly. Because I can't. Yeah. I do know that, uh, I, do, I know it's one person, there's others that will go out of the way to buy, I don't know, a pallet of a box of Pokemon cards or Magic, and they'll sit on them for years and years until the price goes up and then sell them. So imagine if enough people do that, and obviously it's happening now, you restrict, your, you restrict the current supply. It's the same sort of thing. Restrict the current supply, everyone else is harmed for it, and then years later, the price is up. So it's like it's not exactly the same thing, but you are restricting the supply uh, short term sure. for, for a long term. It's different, for, but for, for a long term game. Similar. So, yeah, no, this happens. There's the, you know, it's not, it's a, if you want to say it's, built, built, it's baked into the capitalism, sure, but it's just greed. That's what it comes down to. It's greed. Uh, greed makes people do shitty things. And you have to have people that uh, look out for bad behavior and try to stamp it out. And whether it's on a forum, whether it's people talking about it or pointing out, you just got to fight back against people that want to take advantage of others. That's the bottom line. The same thing with scalpers. You get people who try to defend scalpers. I want to fucking neem in the teeth. It's like, it's like, come on, man. You, you either yeah, like people, you yeah, either like no. people or you don't like people. You want people, want people to be happier or not overall. Either side with people that try to take advantage of, of, of other people or you do the right thing and call out bad behavior. That's that's it. And that's why I was out. Not I wasn't outcast, but that's why people went after me in Nintendo Age, because I try to call out bad behavior within that community, and they didn't like that. Sure. So it is what it is. Uh Ian, we have a we got a Patreon. Patreon.com slash CU podcast. Uh video, full video podcast. I do uh, a monthly hangout. I'm probably yeah. doing that one this week. Uh, we do writings. I put you, one up You do recently. a writing, but put, we're put, going to start doing a, a monthly exclusive podcast yeah. just for the Patreon. Like, well, we're going to talk about whatever. Whatever we want, not just video games, whatever we nope, want. Nope, that's how we've found it works best with extra napkins. It's just, uh, I mean, extra napkins. It's just, just talk about whatever. People who are buying a, a bonus podcast just want to hear us riff and shoot the shit, so that's what we'll do. They're not buying me. They're supporting. They're supporting. They're supporting. They're purchasing. That's a, that's a beauty of it. And then we do poll topics. All right. In second place, this is a, sh- a split here. 46% will computer games ever be as collectible as console games? Uh, yeah, God, I hope so. I have a lot of rare games. Uh, and then first place, summertime-related video game memories, 54%. Summer, 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 summer. Um, so, yeah, I do have some summer memories of games. And I don't, now that I'm remembering them, I'm getting deja vu. Like, maybe we talked about this oh, we before. we did this topic before. Okay. We do this topic. For, we 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 missed our eighth eight year anniversary, which happened. Uh, what was that? Like a few weeks ago? Five weeks ago? I don't know. Fives and zeros, Pat. Fives and zeros. Okay. Um, Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast is a very clear summer memory for me. Uh, I was going into my senior year of high school, and I was very excited about the Dreamcast. Um, I had pre-ordered one. Was ready to buy it. And uh, Hollywood Video did a special You Can Rent a Dreamcast 
uh, promotion like a month or two months before the damn thing came out mm-hmm. to test it out. Sega wanted to get it in people's hands. Oh. And, and um, so I went and did it. And the rental was uh, relatively reasonable. It was like, I think it was like 30 bucks to rent the system or 20 bucks to rent like the system. And, and for a I, weekend for a weekend. For and a it came games. with Sonic Adventure, came with okay. Sonic Adventure one and no VMU, no way of saving the game. Um, right, better pause it and turn the TV off. They definitely, though, did charge a uh, refundable $300 deposit if you kept it, kept it or, yeah. or broke it. Um, so I went, I rented it and I played Sonic uh, Adventure that entire weekend. And it's it, like I said, it's just a very clear summer memory to me because it was in the summer. I remember being very nice out. And instead of being outside, I was just kind of holding uh, playing this game all weekend with my friends. And we did. We just kept passing the controller back and forth to do levels with the different characters. And uh, we got like most of the way through the game the first day and then just turned the TV off. And then the next morning woke up and went right back to it. Um, so that's a big one. More than three hours in a weekend? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, another one that reminds me of summer uh, was, uh, and I've told this story before, too, but it was uh, sitting down and beating Rampage. Uh, oh, yeah. NES with, God, that with, sounds horrible. With my friend. Um, it oh, was awful. Shit. It was not a nice day outside. And we not, not, not a nice day inside. No. And we were hanging out. <laughs> and well, I mean, I, I bring up the nice day outside because in the summer, if it was not nice out, there is no way my parents would have let us sit around in front of the fucking TV. Get out there. Play some street hockey, street tennis. For get out three there. and a half fucking hours it takes to beat that game all well, the way. That's through. two players. That's two players. Imagine one player. Three and a half hours. And every time I'm like, no, that seems crazy. I look at like a long play or something. And no, it's long. The game is just that's insane. For NES game, that's insane. Yeah. Three and a half hours it took to sit down and beat that game all the way through. And what a waste of a rainy day it was. We could have been playing anything, but it was one of those things where like you have to do you, it. you get far enough in. It's a like bubble bobble. And it's 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 some cost fallacy. I'm like, I've so, already yeah. spent two hours on this. I'm just going to play for the next hour. I'm, I'm going to beat it. I have to beat it's, it. it. It's like it's like watching uh, the director uh, director's cut of Justice League. Zack Snyder's just like, I'm already an hour and a half in. i got to see how this fucking thing right. ends. So those are like the two Three big memories hours. I have. Yeah. One good, one not great at all. Wow. Nothing, nothing general? Like a general like no. summer memory of like playing games or... No, I mean, playing with your friends or going it, over the house, going over to your, your Kevin's house and playing them. I mean, yeah, we always play. We, we would play them over at Kevin's house. It's not really much of a story, but I remember like the first time I ever played Contra was in the summer. Okay. Uh, Contra reminds me of the summer. I, I don't That's know when it, for me I don't know when it was released, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, I mean, I definitely remember playing a lot of games in the summer. We would go inside when it rained. We would get a couple hours in at night when it was starting to get dark. But in terms of specific games, those are the two that pop up. Okay. Um, I, I can go on forever about Jersey Shore memories because that's sure. Or, I mean, it's hard to do that. I always take for granted Eden probably didn't go to the Jersey Shore. No, not Jersey. at all. I mean, that's I feel bad now. I want to take you. In. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll play Frog. I'll, I'll pretend you're my frog bog. pretend you're my adopted kid. We'll play Frog Bog. We'll, we'll spin. We'll spin the, the the gambling wheels that are somehow the legal. Gambling wheels. They still are this day. They're still there. You're five years old. You can put up your dollar and spin the wheel. It's gambling. It's gambling. Sorry, God. Um, I'll talk more about. Jersey Shore stuff in conjunction with one game, Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 came out that summer, what was that, July of like 92 for the Super Nintendo, something like that. That's when it came out. Um, I, think, I believe it was that. I would go to the, I go to the mall, I went to remember Cap, Capcom World, whatever the hell it was called. Paid 80 fucking bucks for that game out of Pat's allowance. $80. Which one? 
Street Fighter Two, yeah, the original. It was it was it was overpriced, but yep. no, I remember uh, it was very expensive. That's actually I, something I always I always bring it was, up. It was is, probably more. It was probably a bigger bigger ROM board, which makes sense. And plus, it's Street Fighter Two. You're gonna pay for it, but that's probably what, why I went there. So, I brought that game down the shore to play. I brought my Super Nintendo down the shore that summer. That uh, how long would you stay at the shore? Oh, uh, you'd usually go either. It was divided up. Uh, no, no, at this point, my grandma was uh, was my grandma alive or gone. Grandma died, I think, the year before. Um, so it was my grandma's house. There was five kids, the five uh, daughters and, and sons of my grandma would share it that summer. You get like a week and a half each, basically. You get like a full week. Then they can do, oh, you, you, they say, oh, uh, my, my mom will go to her sister. You stay in this weekend. We're going to go for a weekend. So either three days or a full week. This was a full week. Well, my sister, my sister's friend, Stephanie, there. They were in high school at the time, obviously. They were like 15. They were like 16 years old and me. I played Street Fighter 2 on the little CRT in the house that was up in the little... You go to the Jersey Shore Seaside, all the houses have the front door, and then they have the little... God, what is it called? Not a vestibule. The little patio area with with the, with the screen door. It's enclosed, but it's like almost like it's added on. Sure. It's like the stuff where you take off all like your, you know, your, 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 your fucking... Uh, your flip-flops and sandals. You don't want to get in the house. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's... Um, Six feet wide and and the length of the house. It's like small, you know. You know what I mean. So there was like two chairs set up there, a little, probably fifteen inch color CRT that was from like the eighties, you know. And we and we played uh play Street Fighter two that whole week, which is weird because you can play it four blocks away in the Jersey Shore. You can play, <laughs> you can play the accurate version. You can play. It was champion out by the by summer ninety two probably was. But this didn't uh, cost you your quarters. Uh, no, this cost me seventy dollars, seventy eighty bucks with tax. Um, so I did that. So Street Fighter Two is always that big summer me- memory. But now I'm going to get into more specific games that debuted or you saw that summer on the Jersey Shore. Um, stuff like you know the first time you go up to Casino Pier uh, and you see fucking uh, eight player Daytona. Ooh, that yeah, that's always cool. Or even the four player, but I think they had an eight player one, and you're just like, what the hell is this? Daytona. Or I guess a year or two before that, seeing four player crew, they definitely had four player crews in the USA there, and seeing that for the first time, whenever that was ninety six, and you're like, wow, wow, this is like a really cool racing game that's cartoony and it's fun, and it's four players and it's it's accessible, more accessible than than Daytona was, and those are things that hit you. Like, what are the first games I'm going to see on the boardwalk this year? Uh, like the like the first time. Um, time travel by Sega. The first time you saw that thing, that summer, oh, time traveler, time yeah. traveler, yeah, or first, Hol- or Holoceum Hol- was the other one, which I never saw ever in the arcade. But I did. I, I'm trying to think. They ever, did they ever they ever refashion one? But anyway, time traveler, the big white thing that Sega put out with the hologram where you're a cowboy and you're traveling through time. First time seeing that, you're like, wow, this is new game tech. And that's the thing about the arcades and how that's one thing I do miss. Which is a, which is a, seeing like all the new technology. Yeah. You, it was right in front of your face. That's how you discovered it. That's how you discovered new games. Well, what is this? It's a new game. That's the glory of arcades going back to the early 80s. It's like, what's the here this week? Oh, okay. What's Miss Pac Man? That's come. How would you know that's coming out? What are you you, you getting the trades uh, (laughs) mailed to you? Going to the the arcade show in Chicago, whatever. Like, well, how would you know that's coming out unless you're an arcade opera? You wouldn't know that's being worked on. And, um, so those are the big ones. Games like Cruising USA, Time Traveler, and like Killer Instinct. Even the new like Tekken you would see that summer. Yeah. 
Like the, the, when Tekken 2 came out, that was a big deal, I remember, for, for whatever reason. The first Tekken, I don't remember seeing that much, but Tekken 2, for some reason, that was a game. It was like, wow, I love Tekken. Uh, and seeing that in the arcades that summer. It was a graphical step up from Virtua Fighter and the original Tekken. The original Tekken and the original Virtua Fighter, I mean, if you go back and you look at it, it's a little rougher the first one. Rough. But no one talks about the first Tekken. People like Tekken 2 is fucking great. And yeah, Tekken 2. And Tekken 3 really took off. But like, I think with. I think Virtua Fighter is talked about because it was the first. And I think after that, it's like, we'll talk about these again when they start looking good. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, those are the games to me. That uh, that stand up for game memories. I don't have as like the Kevin stories for this summer. Um, my my, my neighbor Billy, one you know that got me into all different types of music. My neighbor Billy, I had the Genesis. So you know, you go over there, you play Altered Beast. I'm sure I played that. What was that late summer that came out? I played that. He got Genesis right away. Of an '89, he got that pretty 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 lickety split. He got that. He pretty got everything. Splitty. Um, so we had that. So I never really played NES with him that much. Uh, we played uh, Genesis. So I guess you can say like Altered Beast. Probably Moonwalker. He probably got that pretty much straight away. Secondly, probably September. That's still summer. One of splice hairs. So those are memories I always think. He got Moonwalker right away. He had Altered Beast. And I think he had Time of the Sword of Baseball. Those are like the three I think he had right away. I believe. I don't think he had Pat Riley Basketball. I think he had Time of the Sword Because that would have been the baseball game, right? That would have been the first big Tommy baseball Tommy Lasorda, yes. Yeah, that would have been the first big baseball game. So those are, those are my uh, summertime uh, memories there. And yeah, of course, I played my own Nintendo games before I go outside. You know, I probably burned my eyeballs trying to beat Rygar. You know, one of those summers, probably summer '88. You know, I probably tried to do that and probably failed miserably or '89. But yeah, I do miss the arcades. I do too. For for new games, it's almost like yeah, that's it's not just it's not just nostalgia. There's there's it, there's an experience that happened that was different. It was I guess that's nostalgia in a way, but it it's, is. It's, but it's the whole experience is gone. That's all thing. That experience is absolutely wiped out. Sure. Seeing Simpsons Arcade for the first time at Barnacle Bills. I will never forget that. I mean, never forget that. I don't know how I didn't think of that. Seeing that, walking into the, the mini golf was, was near the street. You walk into, there's there's the ice cream place next to it. You walk into the, the building and seeing it was like World Heroes there. And then nine feet away in the middle of the, they wanted to display it was, was Simpsons Arcade. And that was like, imagine seeing that when you were a kid. I remember the first time seeing the Turtles arcade game. Same sort of feeling. But I remember that arcade in particular, it was seeing that in the uh, summer was, was Simpsons. And that was like, this is impossible. This is the cartoon. I'm playing the cartoon. I mean, right. It's fantastic. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. The best underwear you're ever going to have, guys. It's boxers that are designed to keep your balls off your legs. It's as simple as that. She has three individual compartments to keep everything down there separate and cool and comfortable. Your twigs aren't going to be running run up against those berries anymore. Not with sheath underwear. Traditional boxer briefs are barbaric. It's like they were invented during the Neanderthal era. Yeah. Sheath has a modern ergonomic design intended to prevent skin-on-skin contact for long durations, which can build up heat and sweat. Sheath prevents all that. It's the holy grail of underwear. I gotta tell you, you're gonna chafe and readjust less. Less sweatiness. Everything is kept in a separate compartment. It's a spandex thing going on here. It's a nice fabric blend. It's cool to the touch. Has some absorption here. Keeps It keeps it all regulated down there. Get yourself some sheath underwear by going to sheathunderwear.com slash podcast to save 20% off your order today. That's sheath underwear. S-H-E- 
A-T-H, underwear.com slash CU Podcast. Make sure to use that promo code CU Podcast at checkout. Or just click the link below if you're on YouTube. That's sheathunderwear.com slash CU Podcast for 20% off. Do yourself and your balls a favor. Grab yourself some sheath underwear. Well, Ian, we got voicemails, don't we? We do, and you're going to have to tell people how to get to them. You go to, you go to anchor.fm slash CU Podcast, and you can, uh, you can leave us voice messages. You can even try your Don West impression. Here's the first one. <laughs> you said you knew who that was. You actually know who that was? Do I know who that person is? <laughs> I think you've had interactions with them. Yeah. Okay, I feel bad. They hey laughed guys, it this off. This is Tim from Minnesota. And I'm just wondering what you guys uh, most miss about uh, retro gaming before all the hype. Um, for me, it was going on the hunt and actually finding games for cheap. Um, I remember turning away uh, Turtles in Time on the SNES um, more than a few times because I yeah, had three copies. It's common. Um, you just don't see games in the wild anymore anywhere, and it kind of sucks. Um, just looking for your feedback. Love the show, guys. Thanks. Uh, honestly, for me, and I don't think it's necessarily a – it's not a bad thing um, that more people are into it now. Uh, but I think the thing that I missed the most was – I don't want to say feeling like an exclusive club because that's not it. It was the excitement when you found someone else to talk about this shit with. Sure. There was a large period of time where it was very uncool to be into that sort of thing. And I you know, and I, I don't miss that, but I, it, well, it's, it's cool. hard to explain. There was a sensation where you thought, like, I used to get made fun of for, like, I, multiple times I remember going to the mall and flipping through, like, the NES games, and someone would be like, ooh, look at, why are you looking at that shit? Ooh, that's yeah, was, shit. Was, it wasn't for video games, it was for old games. Right. Yeah, you're a weirdo looking at old games. Right. So, um, it, I, I, you know, I, I miss that feeling of, like, holy shit, other people out there exist. Obviously, the payoff is that I don't have to worry about it anymore. No one thinks it's fucking weird or anything like that. But I did. I I, I I missed that weird like oasis in the middle of a desert feeling that you would get when you found someone else who was also into it. And of course, uh, I this mean, could be a whole a larger topic too. We can. I mean, that's about it for me. Yeah. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Mark. Um, doing my commute right now, listening to the podcast. Um, I just left you guys a message a couple days ago asking to be the resident board game style of the podcast. And what do I hear listening to an episode today? I hear Pat saying board games are $20. Okay, I'm gonna say, I, I got some pushback on this. <laughs> yeah, you really did, but I'm not talking about the gourmet Kickstarter board games. I'm talking about the stuff that, that they, like, Amigos, like, oh, we're going to replace board games. You can buy a pack of Uno cards for six bucks. A game of life is under twenty bucks. Battleship is fifteen dollars. Yes, but that's traditional not, that's board not games. really what people play anymore. Don't that, care. That's what traditionally what board games were and are. That's what millions of people played. Millions of people aren't playing your three hundred dollar fucking goblins. No, but they are bird. now. That's the thing. Board games. No, those are smaller run games. That's why they cost so much money. Milton Bradley's not putting out that stuff. All right. That's my point. You're gonna jump on me because I'm. You think? Uh, here's a point. Families not buying. You were wrong, Pat. Families aren't buying three hundred dollars board games to play with Timmy. And, no, but they're and buying Johnny. plenty of fifty to seventy five dollars board games. Plenty. All right, then. Okay, okay, Mister Money Bags Time and Buffalo. Times change. All right, we we had we had we had the. Pat, I'm talking about modern days. That's the problem. You're thinking about the old days. You, you think parents can afford to to buy four or five board games a year? Cost seventy five bucks. I'm saying for kids. They're prob- I'm saying things like Ticket to Ride are very popular, and yes, people are Let's buying stuff like Ticket to Ride and Catan and Carcassonne, and there they're buying no, those, the expansions. But, but those aren't kids playing. That. Those are adults playing that. Okay, kids. All right, you can just continue to say things. Amico. The whole point is the Amico was was geared towards kids and old folks. 
the board games geared towards kids and old folks are Game of Life, Monopoly, the, the classics, All right. Connect Four, right. Dizzy Dinosaur. They still make Dizzy Dinosaur? Is that, or is that a $150 game now? All right, next. Hi, Pat. Hi, Ian. It's Hi. Paul from Detroit. Uh, I was just wondering what you would pick for a new name for the Washington football team. Um, how about the 10-yard fighters or perhaps the play-action footballers? Just wondering what you think. They did announce that they're finally going to – it's been like two years already. Think of a name. Next year they're going to finally uh, – I think after this season, next season, they're going to have a name uh, for them. Uh, people will hate me for saying this, but I actually kind of just like Washington football team. <laughs> actually, they actually – they had a list, a short list, and actually, yeah, there was uh, Washington Red Wolves. That's a cool name. Oh, that is that was cool. one that people were like, yeah, that's a fucking cool name, and wolves aren't used enough yeah, for Yeah, that's a neat name. You've got Timberwolves, and that's it. So, yeah, that was one that stood out that I'll be shocked if that doesn't win, but the owner's a weirdo to begin with, so who knows. But Washington Red Wolves, uh, I used to love the colors. I had, I had a, I had a, uh, in my room hanging up, I used to, I used to go for Washington all the time when I was a kid. I just loved the colors. Um, which is weird that I didn't like the Giants. Hi, Pat and Ian. This is David. I was just kind of wondering, do you guys have any specific, like, reactions to seeing video game references in media, like movies or TV? Like, do you pick it apart? Do you make fun of it in your head or something? Or do you just not care? I would say the the, the, the turning point for retro games being acceptable was there was two th- moments in time. Or they happened at the same time. This was about six years ago. Um, Only six years ago? For I'm talking mainstream. Okay. That's even before Pixels came out. Uh, about. Um, there was two commercials. McDonald's had a commercial with uh, Bowser giving a present to Mario. It was a little thing. It was like a little, it was like a calligraphy sort of thing with like, like Rose. Remember that? And then there was a uh, Trix commercial where they're playing Nintendo. And there were adults playing Nintendo. Like, oh, remember playing Mario? And I'm like, like, that's the first time I ever saw something like that happen. Where it was a retro gaming stuff into mainstream, uh, like, products. That was the first time ever. That was, like, 2015 or 16. That was right before the NES Classic and things like that. Um, that to me was the, was the big turning point where I'm like, okay, if, if, if people are in a boardroom spending millions of dollars to market these products... They know that people are liking this to, to market, if that makes sense. Sure. And that's when, you know, people are starting to have kids. You know, people who grew up with Mario were starting to have kids, you know, five, ten years ago. So the like, question is, sense. did you pick apart appearances, not when did you see appearances? Well, he's, I, I wrote down reactions of video games and reference movies. No, I never picked them apart. Um, my, my favorite uh, movie, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, I never picked it apart. I thought it was it's, it's cute when it happened. I didn't see it. But I was like, oh, this is cute. It's being It's acceptable now, I guess. You're capitalizing on it? I don't know. The one thing that I always remembered uh, was that early on, before like it became an, like a, a more popular hobby, um, you always saw people playing video games in movies and commercials, and it looked nothing like a person playing video games or movies. The oh. controller there was, was just... always some like fucking orb with like three misplaced <laughs> buttons on it. Like, oh, they were still using a joystick for and some reason? Just, like pounding on yeah. it. And like, yeah, I mean, nothing ever looked like it was actually video games. And I think now that video games have become more mainstream and the people who played them growing up are now in marketing positions. Yes. You now have more accurate representations of video game playing in, co- uh, in, yeah. in commercials and in media. We've got CEOs of companies now that grew up with the NES. Right. So like, it's acceptable. And that's what we said. Like now, video games, or it's it's not an oppressed group being a gamer. It's <laughs> we're okay. We 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 made it through. All right, next one here. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is uh, Josh from Green Bay. Love the podcast, and I'm also a big fan of extra napkins. So I thought I'd combine a question for both podcasts. Not allowed, but mainly for Pat and Ian. Okay. Um, 
what kind of food and video games do you think is like your favorite? Like some like something in a game that looks like really delicious. Like, has you know, like I mean, like anime always makes food look good. So, and I saw a person do like a video on like trying to cook all the stuff and like Zelda Breath of the Wild. Well, you answered this question. We did this like two years ago. Uh, I mean, I don't know of uh, never... what my not- name would have, my answer would have been then, but games where food looks good. Final Fantasy fifteen. Anyone who's played it can tell you the amount of time and effort they put into uh, creating the food that you can cook at a campfire is absolutely insane, and I would eat so much of it. That's not what you answered a couple of years ago. Did, did you answer Bubble Bobble a couple of years ago? I think that was a different a different question. It wasn't. I th- oh, that was like power ups, and I said yes. food. Yes. What did you? What was your answer? You had a, you had a different question, a, a different answer. I thought to that. We change as we evolve. Okay, what's next here? Hey, Pat and Ian. Um, Austin Osterard from Lincoln, Nebraska. Long-time caller, first-time listener. Uh, my question is for Ian. Um, I'm wondering, when you smoke, what do you smoke? Do you smoke like tree, or do you smoke dabs? Do you prefer carts? And a follow-up question is, what do you prefer to smoke out of? Uh, bong, rig, pipe? Thanks for the podcast, guys. Um, keep it up. I prefer blunts and joints. But I often smoke a bowl out of convenience. I prefer actual flour uh, to uh, cartridges or dabs. Dabs, frankly, I'm too fucking old. 38 years old. I don't need that kind of a high. Um, and then cartridges, I use them for convenience, like a, like a vape pen. But uh, I feel like the high is different. I prefer it if I'm just taking the stuff. And putting it in a thing and smoking it. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Charlie from Arizona. I had a question about the cost of living in San Diego. I currently make about $15 an hour. And I want to know if that's about enough uh, that a person would need uh, to relocate to the area. Uh, if not, what would you say is a more reasonable wage for a person to live on their own in San Diego? Also... What would you say are the better neighborhoods and the neighborhoods you'd like to avoid uh, when living in San Diego? Well, I'm not going to go to that area because I don't know the areas that are really bad in San Diego. But um, uh, so $31,000, $15 an hour, that's not enough to live in San Diego. Maybe if you have like three roommates, you won't be saving any money, though. Um, you have to make double that. I'd say you have to be making 60000 a year to be on your own, um, to live decently and save a little bit of money in San Diego. Something yeah. like that. I don't make that make but also it's it's vani and i uh 15 is too low if 15 is all you've got absolutely not like 15 an hour you can't do it it's just you're not Thirty-one thousand a year is not enough you will go you will you will be in you will go insane one missed check will fuck you up at that level yeah you 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 could live but you won't be saving any money and your life will suck and like i said if, if, if 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 you know heaven forbid something happens you're, oh, yeah. you're 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 out of here. Um, I think if you are resourceful and you have a roommate or two, you could probably do it at closer to twenty to twenty two an hour. Um, but yeah, you're definitely at living on your own own out here with no roommates, no significant yeah, no. other. If you had roommates, you can do it. No uh, significant yeah. other. You'd probably need twenty five to thirty at least. Yeah, like double. Yeah. So thirty thousand if you have roommates or help. Sixty by yourself. That's I, I was making a little over sixty when I moved here, but prices were cheaper then. And my condo, yeah, prices have, yeah. have been crazy. So I bought my condo after the crash, so that's the only reason I could afford it. Right. So, yeah, yeah, but I wasn't saving a huge amount of money when I moved here. Um, 
spend it all in those video games. All right, we'll do, uh, we'll do a few more. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Dave from Edinburgh, Scotland. Hey. Uh, long-time listener, first-time voicemailer. Um, just, I've just finished my first uh, coffee table book. It's about side-scrolling beat-em-ups. Oh, and I was ooh. curious to find out what your favorite side-scrolling beat-em-ups were, you know, like Streets of Rage 2, Final Fight, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, what are your favorites and why? Thanks, and keep up the good work. Well, I know what Ian's favorite game of all time is. But. I mean, my favorite side-scrolling beat-em-ups right now are Streets of Rage 4 and Final Fight 1. Um, Final Fight 1 because it, for a, the first or very, for an early entry, not first, but for an early entry into the genre, it nails everything just about right. The feel, the levels, the length, the enemies, character the variety, balance. character balance, the story is serviceable yeah. but fun enough. I like how... Yeah, Streets of Fire. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a great game. And Streets of Rage 4, I just think, is kind of the pinnacle of everything that's oh. happened with beat-em-ups to this point. It's it's fantastic. Well, I played it for another hour and 20 minutes last night. I just I don't get sick of it, Final especially F- the DLC. Final Fight had something that was important that when Capcom got bigger... Not the, not their mid '80s, even later '80s stuff, uh, which Final Fight was later, but we'll say '90s. The polish of those games once I got to the '90s, Capcom polish really started to shine. Well, that was like '89, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. I said. Okay. So once you get to like Final Fight and Street Fighter Two, that's miles ahead of like Trojan and Street Fighter One. It's like two, almost like two generations ahead in like only a few years. I mean, you don't. It, it sounds silly to say, but uh, those were the AAA games of the time. But like. Capcom arcade games, there's not one that doesn't look... There wasn't one that didn't at least look and play well once you get to, like, the 90s for the arcade games. They're all I'd say well they all done. look fabulous, sure. Yeah, so that's the thing about Final Fight. Obviously, I love Double Dragon. Ian doesn't agree. Ooh, no. Love Double Dragon because it's it's such an important game for the genre. Uh, and it's fun. I think it's fun. And I grew up playing it. Ian, remember, remember, Ian's a youngster compared to me. He's a whippersnapper. So he might not have played it in the arcade. I'm a year he, younger he, than you. He didn't have oh, two, no, two, two. He didn't have a Boatcraft Amusement Park to go play it in Route 22, Scotch Plains, New Jersey. He didn't have that, which now is like fucking condos because everything's going to be fucking condos. Too many people. Um, but, you know, he didn't have that. So I grew up playing that. And then um, Simpsons, like, uh, Simpsons, Ninja Turtles, fantastic. All the, the Konami ones were great. I said those are Konami. Uh, yeah. Sega Spider Man that I introduced Ian to, which I was shocked he never played that. Like all those, I love all. Like they all, they all had such a unique feel to them that were different. Uh, at least in my in my estimation, even even the, the Konami ones felt different. Like Simpsons felt different than Ninja Turtles uh, in, in a lot of aspects. Um, that's what there was a gold. It was a golden age of beat 'em ups, like that early nineties. Yeah, when I say those are my favorites, I, yeah. I don't I don't mean they're the only ones I like. I oh, love no. tons of beat 'em ups, but. I think Final Fight I, I, I is was very important and just very pretty. And then, like I said, it's hard for me not to say Streets of Rage 4. Hell, give me fucking Captain Commando I'll play Captain right Commando's now. Captain Commando's fun. Give me Punisher, which you never really saw that much. Punisher was great. Like, all of them were so good. There's not a lot of clunkers that, that you remember. They were all just like, these were Alien versus Predator. Like, fantastic. Like, awesome game. Uh, yeah. Can go on forever. Uh, we'll do a, a couple more here. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. Uh, This is Josh from Decatur. Why doesn't Nintendo release just a no-frills switch, kind of like the light, but focus on a premium D-pad, premium buttons, maybe have a a regular one and an extra premium edition for a couple hundred bucks? It's just no-frills, 
Just good controls. You can put the card in it and play it. Why don't they do it? Nintendo, I even got the name for you. It's a switcheroo. Peace. <laughs> okay, that saved it. The switcheroo. Okay. Uh, I don't, Nintendo's very stubborn. Because it, um, it might, you're, you're actually right where I would be. Because it would be an admittance of defeat. Yeah. And they don't do that. I mean, they kind of admitted the Joy-Cons got drift. They have a free service to repair them. There's probably gonna, is there still a class action lawsuit going on? The probably is, uh, with that. Um, but they, they like the idea of, of the Joy-Cons being switchable between players, having the D-pad defeats the purpose of having the buttons. That's, that's why you the got, reason. that's why you got the D-pad on the light, because you're not taking the, those controllers out. They're so stubborn on the fact they're like, no, this works just I as good. I would buy a Nintendo Joy-Con today if they did a proper D-pad version. Today, I spent 40 bucks. Oh, on I'd one. be calling up the new day job being like, I'm going to be late. I have to stop at Target on the way home and get Sh- myself a D-pad Joy-Con. Today. And yes, there are alternatives out there. There's third-party ones. I would buy an NES one. Excuse me, NES. Yeah, they can, mar- they can make an NES-looking one. There you go. Make an NES-looking one. You'll sell 5 million of them within a week, Nintendo. Well, bring me in on the marketing team. Yeah, I don't know why. Because they're stubborn. The, the, the D-pad thing is r- ridiculous. And the, and the pro D-pad is okay, but it's still not as good. It's, it's okay. It's an okay D-pad. It's not a classic D-pad. Okay, and then uh, do you think there's someone else that... that um, I think we might have someone else. Oh, more. Then. Okay. Buongiorno, signore. <laughs> it's me, Tommy. I'm just all stoked about the Amico getting a nice little article in Game Pro Italy. Oh. Of course, the whole thing's in Italian, but all they got to do is copy and paste it into Google Translate, and <laughs> now normal people can read it. Let's see what it said. The Intellivision Amico, created by the rock star of gaming, Tommy Tallarico, <laughs> that's me, after several postponements, is currently right on track to be the next Coleco Chameleon. <laughs> I don't think this translation's accurate. Like last night when I was trying to find out what all the pasta shapes mean. Speaking of which, I heard you guys talking about how buying you dinner is a good way to change your mind about something, so you know, Pat. Maybe you can meet me at this Italian restaurant downtown. I can get us a table where you can sit with your back to the window there. And you never know. Maybe the Amico Mafia might just drive by and say hello. Think about it. Oh no, Tommy! Not not a not a Thomas. veiled a, a, not even a veiled threat. You're gonna plug me in a in an Italian <laughs> restaurant? We did talk about that article real quick. There was a Game Pro Italy article. Yes, there was. And it, it still was maintaining it's coming out. So I think it still said October. Yes. I, I, or October, December, whatever it was. Like it's it ain't coming out. <laughs> Every once in a while I like to check the With mainstream. The or, Amico Reddit. The actual Amico Reddit because the actual one. The the, the, the the corporate Reddit. I checked that Reddit because it's interesting to watch like the mods back off. And uh, they just don't care as much. I think they realize they're losing a, a, a fighting a losing battle. Oh sure. And Tommy's got nothing. And there was like uh, I remember like someone posted the pictures of the or Tommy posted the pictures of like the games in their cases. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And one of the responses was like, "Great, Tom looks like shit," and it got like fourteen <laughs> upvotes. <laughs> And then, well, like, the Amico article one was, like, there was a response in there. I don't know if it's still there, but it was, like, wonderful, Tom. When's it releasing? Like, no one cares anymore. No one cares about I, any of this we shit. We said, after the third delay, all bets are off. Yeah. You get you get two delays is, like, that's it. That's but as much real. Three delays three is delays, when you, 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 you can stop doing. expecting people to yeah. be nice to you. Three delays is, like, either this something's drastically wrong or you don't know what you're doing. That's the bottom line when you get three delays. Yeah. Everyone, you can get one delay, maybe, maybe two. Um, but even, even the, the cultists have, um, 
I don't like using that word anymore. I should stop using it because I actually feel bad because I did get used by Tommy. And yeah. They threw away their integrity just to get a, 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 a washed up video game composer on, on their on their YouTube channel. Um, they're not doing Amico stuff anymore. They're not. Okay. They backed off. Oh, a lot of those because they did. should be embarrassed, and they are getting embarrassed for for pumping this up for so long and um, having nothing. They really they thought nothing. it was going to go a different way. Yeah, it, it, you know. But yeah, make, take shots at us, put us in dresses in your thumbnails or whatever else you uh, you want to do. So right, is that it? That's, That's it. it. Yeah, it was a fun podcast. You know, I'm starving now. I'm hungry too. I got, I got a uh, there's there's like there's like a tuna shortage supposedly, so I can't get fresh tuna. Look at those eyebrows. Um, I, I can't get fresh tuna. I got to do the frozen defrosted. He said, like, yeah, there's, it's harder to get tuna now for some reason. I'm like, what's going on with the tuna supply? Really weird. So I got to buy it pre-frozen uh, and, and thaw them out. I, I need my tuna. It keeps me going. I need my mercury. No, it's not, actually, there's not much mercury if it's from the wild. It's only it's only the, the farm stuff. There's potentially mercury. Like, I suppose salmon is bad for mercury. Supposedly for farm for farm fish. No, maybe so. But I'm not crazy yet. Like I was when I used to eat cans of tuna. Then I was crazy. I had mercury poisoning. So. All right. Well, have fun, everyone out there. Ian's going to cook me up something good to eat. Yeah. Maybe by next week. He's going to bring it. He's going to come over. He's going to bring his apron, his, his big chef hat, the big puffy chef hat. You're going to get a container next week is probably what's going to happen. Did I show you my grilling set? Next week or the week after. My grilling set's legit. Big, huh? Lots of pieces. 35 pieces. Even, right. has, even has the silver stainless steel corn holders. I threw her next one. There's nine of them. They threw in one just in case you lost one. That's nice. I'm like, that's that's good good thinking that there. Is. All right. All right. We'll see you Bye. later. Bye. It's ridiculous.